Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. and Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight, the boys congregate via live video, thanks coronavirus, you giant asshole, to celebrate their sixth annual St. Paddy's Day drinking and then drinking ridiculous amounts more celebration extravaganza bonanza, or some crazy bullshit like that. And joining the party this evening is Laurel Tilly, brand ambassador for Macanudo Cigars, to introduce the Inspirado Green Cigar, which our favorite crew of tipsy knuckleheads will pair with an impressive line of craft beers. Sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. Susan B. Anthony, Alexander Graham Bell, George Washington Carver, Henry Ford, the Wright Brothers, Pocahontas, Jimi Hendrix, Steve Jobs, and Lana Del Rey, and yours truly, Matt A. Cade. What do all these people have in common? Absolutely nothing. Wrong. Hmm? The answer is they're all groundbreakers, trailblazers, (laughs) heroes who made a name for themselves some might say a legend for themselves in American history because they did what no one else was able or willing to ever do before them. Their names imply a unique stamp made on society that so few of us can ever dream to make. So doctor, now you might be asking, why is my name mentioned alongside these all-time greats? Oh, we have a good idea of why. I was actually asking that from the beginning, but go ahead. Well, I had labs done this morning for my yearly checkup. Uh, Routine blood work, nothing serious going on. So I was unable to consume the usual copious amount of cocktails needed to watch tonight's film three times and take my usual extensive detailed notes on it. So that's right, folks at home. Pick your jaws up off the ground. Matt A. Cade watched Leprechaun 4 in space three times stone cold sober. 
Booze free. And that is something of an accomplishment. Uh, I'll admit that. I'm still not sure it puts you in a same you category. An object of greatness or an object of sympathy? Trailblazer, Groundbreaker, American Heel. It'll be interesting to see how the history books choose to handle what took place here by me in Central Texas this week. Do you say American Hero or American Heel? I, I think I said Hero. Okay. Uh, can you imagine watching this film sober three times? Come on, dude. That's some Wright Brothers level stuff right there. Oh, it's not terrible. Leprechaun That's... 4 in space. Can't wait to talk about it here in a little bit. But first... It's got Willow. It does have Willow in it. Uh, but first, we have some other business to do. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 133. It is our sixth annual St. Paddy's Day drinking and then drinking ridiculous amounts more celebration extravaganza. I see the hat. I see the hat. He's wearing the hat that makes it official. Uh, six years. God, we've been doing this for six years and we're still, still alive. Still Just, have livers. Uh, you party people been going to the same party for six years and in no way is that depressing. No, not one bit, Yaks. Are you ready to party tonight, my friend? I am. And, Yak Boy, I'm assuming that you're knee-deep in preparations for a rather large party yourself. The Texas governor gave everyone the green light to party their asses off, so... What? Tell the folks what's going to be going on at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas on St. Patrick's Day. As always, we will do our own extravaganza. We've got every, we've got five bands. Uh, we'll be serving our wonderful Irish menu all day long. Dude, How many people five. are going to show up? How many people are going to take the governor's advice and just remove the mask and go screaming out into the open? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it's not as many as, you know, they just, you know, have kept themselves sequestered and, and some <laughs> large amount of repression is built up and they just literally dive into the pub. I, like I don't need that. World War Z, they're just literally crawling all over each other and uh, uh, get, possibility. The, get the credit cards first. Oh, I am. Before you run those tabs. Okay. Well, everyone, uh, if you if you are uh, feeling adventurous, go out to O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown Historic Temple, Texas. I, I'm still not quite uh, there on my adventure scale, but I will be thinking about you, buddy. I haven't got my vaccine yet, but I'm eating everything in sight to kind of bump up a couple of pounds. Get that one B. Uh, I just had to throw that in my face. Well, Mr. Fancy Pants, I'm getting my second shot in a week and a half. So, uh, Those thanks, of us I, who abide by the rules of society and have not jumped in front of others are still waiting, but <laughs> that's all right. I, I jumped no one. Uh, so anyway, that's going to be a good time, and we're going to have a good time here tonight. Usually, I'll turn it over to Yak Boy now to introduce tonight's adult beverages to pair with our cigar and our film, but I'm going to go ahead and jump up in front of things to the cigar first tonight. We featured a Macanudo cigar here on the podcast previously. Uh, it was back in 2018, before the world came crashing down on our beautiful little party. It was on episode 72. We reviewed the Inspirado Red, and we all highly enjoyed it. Uh, it had a wasabi-like burn that just kind of hung in the nose. Uh, we all just loved that retrohale. Uh, it had a dominant, strong leather note on the draw that we all really dug. And looking back at my notes on it for tonight, uh, we all, which is rare, uh, commented on just how awesome it smelled. A lot of times the aroma doesn't really stick out to us, maybe because it's just 
and we're all we were all, at, this, at that point we were all sitting together and it's just hang so heavy over us but we were all like you know holy shit this smells great um it's funny when i went back to look at my inspirato red notes i noticed this interesting tidbit tut um you might have had a few too many that night what quote prior to lighting up the inspirato red there's an earthy aroma present when sniffing the foot if you run your fingers up and down the cigar the wrapper feels identical to a well-worn leather jacket and then Tut said something to the effect of it's like rubbing Indiana Jones back and forth in your hand, which I thought was a weird thing to say. <laughs> I don't Very remember specific. that. I bet, I, I, bet remember c- that. I bet cigar coops never use that description. <laughs> I personally uh, have not heard that used before, but you know, maybe I'll adopt that into my vernacular. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, I'm finally going to get to meet Harrison Ford. He's going to look at jackass and don't feel like that. <laughs> Everywhere I go now, guys are rubbing, <laughs> grabbing me. Um, I'm sorry, so I'm to, sorry. So here tonight, uh, we are featuring the Inspirado Green. First we did the red, now we're doing the green, which is only fitting as it is, as I said, our sixth annual St. Paddy's Day drinking and drinking some more extravaganza bonanza or something to that effect. And you may have heard her just a second ago. Here to introduce the evening cigar is our very special guest, Laurel Tilly, brand ambassador for Macanudo. Laurel, welcome to the Corner of No Hope. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invite. Happy to be here. Well, Laurel, Laurel, tell us a little bit about the woman behind the brand. How, why did you get into the premium cigar industry? So I started smoking cigars just recreationally when I was, I mean, I guess technically my first cigar was when I was 18. Started smoking them more avidly when I was about 19, 20. I Moved up to Milwaukee for college, and I had some friends who stumbled upon a cigar lounge. And being underage and not able to go out and drink, um, we kind of used the cigar lounge as sort of our hangout. And I just fell in love with it. The employees there really made sure that you were getting exactly what you wanted. And I just always really enjoyed the social aspect of it. Um, So I ended up working there for about six years while I was finishing up my undergrad. And then I got hired on by General Cigar back in 2016. So I'm at about four and a half years with General um, and just about four years with Macanudo specifically. But it's just, it was one of those things that it was an unlikely love affair. Like, oh, I tried it because it was social and my friends were doing it. And then I just fell instantly in love with it. I love the product. I love the culture. And honestly, for my job, I don't think it really gets much better than that. Um, I get to go around and in a normal world, talk to people in person, smoke cigars, spread the good word of Macanudo. Right. Um, So, yeah. What were you you studying? So I went to school for advertising and public relations. Okay. That fits. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So semi-related. Well, (laughs) there's, there's some translation. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Uh, it's a hell of a lot more than what I'm doing with my degree. Um, speaking of which, what advice, because that, that's a, a pretty uh, impressive trajectory there. Um, what would you, if someone out there was looking for a career in premium cigars uh, from the kind of the outside looking in, um, you know, to make that, that huge shift from consumer and fan and member of the culture to actually getting a paycheck from it. I don't know, possibly a disgruntled podcast host who's burned a lot of bridges over the years <laughs> from keeping it a little too real. Uh, what advice would you give me? I mean, what, what, what advice would you give them if someone was looking to make that switch? What, what, what do these, what do the good companies look for? So 
I would say, I guess it just depends on what you're looking for. I mean, the majority of the positions out there, in my opinion, are sales. Um, so, you know, a sales representative for one of the companies, but you know, retail experience is nice, but it's not necessary. Um, you know, a passion for the product would be probably first and foremost, um, you know, a certain level of knowledge and also honestly, just the ability to be on your own, be simultaneously an introvert and an extrovert. That's probably the weirdest part of my job is I have to be so extroverted when I'm doing an event and seeing people, but then you're traveling alone and you're going back to your hotel alone and you're eating dinner by yourself a lot. And it is nice because you're so exhausted from talking to people all day. And then it's nice to sort of decompress by yourself, but you have to be very self-motivated um, okay with spending time by yourself, but also okay with talking to 5,000 people a day. So sort of be able to like pivot and just, there's always going to be something different. Um, but I guess if you're trying to sort of get your footing in the industry or get your foot in the door, rather just, you know, talk to sales reps, the easiest way to sort of figure out what's available or what's even realistic is, you know, go to a cigar shop. Talk to the people who are coming in. Talk to the people who already work for companies, because at least to my knowledge, there's not a lot out there on like, you know, the job postings and stuff for cigar companies. Um, it tends to be more of a who do you know, who can you talk to? It's such a um, small little universe. I mean, it's such yeah. a, it's, a, it's such a, a, you know, this billion dollar industry, but really condenses down to a very small uh, word of mouth kind of network of, uh, of sales and, and it kind of grows from there. Yeah. But, um, and okay. I mean, I got my start here from somebody that I know. I mean, I started in retail because I liked the product, but then I got a job there because I knew the people who worked there. And then I don't know if you know Dave Lampert, he actually owns a cigar shop in the Dallas area. Um, no. He moved out there recently. Oh, I cannot remember the name of the shop. It'll come to me, but um, he got, he was working for another company and he had reached out to me saying that general was looking to hire someone for this position. So I only found out about it because of the people I already knew in the industry. Um, so get yourself out there, keep your ear to the ground, shake yeah. some hands and, and be, be a good person who's willing to be malleable and, and, and do what it takes to, to kind of fit, fit the job. Okay. Yeah. Just immerse yourself in it. Yeah. Which if you love cigars, that can be a fun thing. Yeah, oh, no for doubt. sure. Well, let, me sure. ask, let me ask you this, because you mentioned events, and I uh, have followed you on Instagram for a while, and I kind of scrolled back the, when I knew we were going to talk, and so many events, not not just yes. not just you know the big the big four, the big five, you know yearly uh, you know events across the nation, but just weekend after weekend visiting brick and mortar shops. Over the last, you know, year and a half now, or I guess a year, to go from that to transition to 2021, March, where we are now, how has, how have you and Macanudo dealt with that, you know, that drastic of a shift in direction? Are you pretty much on Zoom with shops doing, are y'all doing live events? Are you kind of, how how did how does it, to someone who makes their living on the road, how has the last year been? Yes, yeah, super weird. <laughs> to put it bluntly, you know, going from spending an average of three to four nights a week 
on the road every week. And like you were saying, it's brick and mortar. It's three to four events a week, every week. I mean, I was typically flying 48 weeks a year. Um, when everything was shut down, it was easier because that was sort of what there was. But now if there's the option for people to say, oh, well, you know, you can come in and do a cut and light or we'll just run an in-store promotion and have come, people come in. So Zoom was more popular early on. Um, I sort of took a took the reins of social media and did everything that I could with that. So we've got about 13 different cigars under the Macanudo line. So every week I would review the cigar, sort of talk about the blend, pick a pairing to do with it. Um, and then I talked to our tobacco procurement guy, um, Ernest, who is just a wealth of knowledge and got some more sort of like in the weeds details of like fermentation and growth and tobacco viruses and all just this super like niche stuff within the cigar industry that didn't necessarily relate to Macanudo specifically and then do some videos on that. So I just really took uh, the social media, the social media route and try to get myself out there and do lives on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, zoom events. But yeah, I mean, it's all been basically this. I've probably done more interviews in the last year than I'll ever do in my life. <laughs> that, well, if all goes well, maybe we'll be one of your last. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope not. I mean, oh, that sounds a little dire. Well, no, I just mean you'll be able to get back. If, if, if things go better here, you'll be able to get, get back out on the road. And, uh, I understand. I understand. One of your last Zoom interviews. I'm sorry. Yes. I thought you were yes. like, well, no, after she's done dealing with us, she's like, I'm never doing this again. No, that's never it. That's my last interview. I'm not doing that ever again. Yeah, well, they, yeah. we're just getting started here, boys. Uh, okay, well, tell if you could uh, take us and our viewers and our listeners. On a, on a brief history of Macanudo. I mean, this is a brand. Yak Boy, you, the first cigar I ever saw in your mouth was a Macanudo. This is back in our college days. Yes. Um, you were a big Macanudo guy. The, the cigar itself, I believe, goes back in, what, the 60s? Is that where we first started seeing Macanudos? So Macanudo was acquired by the Coleman's in 68. Okay. And it was introduced in the States in 1971. Um, so, yeah, it's been around for quite some time. It actually started as a front mark of punch. So the the name Macanudo was developed back in 1868 and um, was just one specific line under punch under the Temple Hall factory. And then when Cuban tobacco started becoming outlawed in particular areas, um, especially like Britain, uh, Macanudo was separated from punch and developed in Jamaica to offer something that did not have Cuban roots. Um, and then the Coleman's acquired it in 68. Again, it came to the States in 71. And um, was they were really instrumental in building Macanudo to where it is today because Edgar Coleman, he put it in every hotel, golf course, restaurant, anywhere that it made sense to have cigars and sort of put it out there as the cigar of all cigars. And it, it literally is what it is today because of that marketing strategy and what they did for the brand. Now, it has been around for a long time, but just in the last six, seven years is when the innovation has really, really picked up. I mean, we have our core line, like the Macanudo Cafe. We introduced the Maduro, the 1968, and the Crew Royale. And then a couple here and there that have since come off the market. But really in 2016 with the Inspirato line and then our flavored series, the M, the, mm -hmm. the majority of the innovation has been really, really recently in the entire timeline of Macanudo. Yeah, I think it was what back in eighteen, two, about two years ago, when uh, when we first kind of got samples of the M, uh, which is so something so off the course, different for you guys. The coffee, mm -hmm. the heavy coffee infusion, and then uh, the Inspirato line, which was just 
do you, do you ever wonder when you go in a direction like the Inspirado Red, and then we'll kind of go from there into tonight's cigar, the name Macanudo is so synonymous with a lot of cigar smokers for milder, yes. a milder, creamier smoke. And that, that Inspirado Red was, I mean, it, it had some heft to it. I mean, it was, it had some, like I said, that wasabi spice was so distinct and that strong leather note. I mean, are you, from a marketing angle, are you ever worried of, you know, to put the Macanudo name on something so drastically different? Are you hoping that those loyalists that always go, you know, every week go into the brick and mortar and grab a handful of Macanudos, that because that name, that maybe this is like a gateway to them to kind of, they'll trust the name, they trust the quality. So this is kind of us giving them a, you know, a, a little nudge into a new direction. Or is there any fear there? Like, man, we've got something really good here. Let's not fuck it up, you know? No, and that's a really awesome observation. And honestly, the biggest issue that I ran into when I started is, you know, when they hired me to be sort of the face of Macanudo back in 2016, it was when we first introduced the Inspirato into the States. And that was really the first major innovation and major push that we were doing to sort of get people to think differently about the brand. Because you are 100% spot on with saying that Macanudo has for a very long time been synonymous with a mellower cigar. Typically people, uh, their knee jerk reaction is thinking of that cafe series. And I swear if I had a dollar for everybody who told me that the Macanudo cafe was their first cigar, I literally would not have to work a day in my life. (laughs) Um, And you know, we don't want to discount that blend because that's legitimately what the brand was built on. and we don't want to say like, oh, you know, we're trying to get away from that, um, that Macanudo Cafe, but the market is changing. People want something different. They want something more complex. They want something using more unique tobaccos. I mean, we're in the golden age of cigars and there's so many amazing boutique companies out there and so many wonderful cigar offerings that even though the Macanudo Cafe is still our number one selling cigar and still has, you know, a really firm grasp within the market, we need to offer something else, which is what the Inspirato series does. Even our Inspirato white, it's mellower, but it's completely different from the smoking experience of the cafe. Um, so to your point, is it something that people can trust? Yes, it's Macanudo. You know, it's going to be consistent. Um, it's approachable in price. Um, it's pretty ubiquitous. I mean, you can find it pretty much anywhere to some capacity. And people know what they're going to get with it. And the nice thing is being the size of company we are, we can release more unique blends with typically more expensive tobaccos at a more approachable price point. Um, When you look at some of the ingredients in these Inspirados, it's, it's, yes, it definitely, it impresses. I I couldn't help but notice you said that you were brought on as the face of Macanudo right when they kind of decided to do this push with these new bold kind of expansions. So do you think like if, if they just tanked and it was a horrible disaster, it'd be like, just blame the new girl. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, gee, I didn't think about it that way, but I hope not. Uh, um, but no, I think it was more of just an overarching, like we want people to think differently about the brand. We obviously you know want to still respect what we have, but give people the opportunity to experience something that we are doing that's new and continuing to develop and innovate. Well, I was joking, obviously, but it it, obvi- it does make sense, you know, that for you to come on at that time when when mm-hmm. they were kind of doing these these new innovations is kind of, you know, at that point, 2016 ish is when if you didn't have somebody on top of social media and to kind of all, all the successful, even the boutique brands were kind of starting to rely on a face to the brand. If you didn't oh, have a, 
if you didn't have a personality that you could not relate to, but a personality that you could put a face and a name to that brand um, around, you know, that's around that, that kind of th those years there where it just became, if you didn't have that, you were really kind of missing the boat and missing opportunities because that's when just a shitload of cigar smokers were flocking to the big Facebook groups on cigar groups on Facebook. And, and these, you know, the smart ones were interacting with them and you kind of felt like you had someone to ask questions to, and you kind of, it's, it, it was really smart a Macanudo to kind of, so set in their traditional ways to, you know, go with the flow and yeah. actually roll with it to kind of the extent that you're everywhere. Now, oh yeah. Put know? a person, make it relatable, yeah. um, you know, and the style of company that we are, you know, we don't have a Cynthia Fuente. We don't have a Jonathan Drew. We don't have a Rocky Patel because we've been around for so long and we've continued to acquire companies. You know, we acquired CAO and we, you know, had a, acquired Tarania. We had the Temple Hall factory with McNeil and Punch. And because of the this history of the brands and just the way that General Cigar was built, we don't really have those people. So you've got Rick Rodriguez, with CAO, you got Sean Williams on Cohiba, Justin Andrews on Diesel, me on Macanudo. So I absolutely think, I mean, it was obviously strategy on their end to sort of have this person who can go do events. You know, we're behind the blending. We do that. We're on the blend selection panel. We, you know, have um, input and say in, you know, what is coming to market. And it's, yes, I agree that it makes total sense, especially at that time when everybody was so active on social media and wanting to do these events. And, you know, as much as the pandemic sucked, I think that this is creating a little bit or it's helping alleviate that event fatigue. And I'm really excited to come back and see how things will start up again. Yeah, we uh, we spent the, the previous two years uh, working for Drew Estate, traveling to all their barn smoker events. Okay. And... I can't imagine after a, a year and a half or two years of no barn smokers. I mean, that place is going to be just crazy bonkers. Like oh, people for are sure. going to be going nuts. Uh, but no, I just think to find those unique individuals, you mentioned Rick with CAO and, and Justin and, and Sean with Cohiba and yourself, you know, to find people that are not only product knowledgeable, but industry knowledgeable, tobacco knowledgeable, but also just likable. And, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, people like to follow their stories. People like to actually meet them and, and, and to hold a conversation with them. I mean, it's, it's, it can't be that easy to find those, to fill those roles. And I, I think, yeah, I think General's done a really good job with it. Um, so I guess that brings us, since we're talking Inspirado, we're talking about the future of Macanudo. It brings us to tonight's cigar, the Inspirado yes. Green. The green, which, sorry, I, uh, I started smoking it earlier before okay. I jumped on the show. I, we, we are going to be lighting up as, as soon as uh, you graciously exit the party because we we did it once where we actually smoked the cigar while interviewing, uh, I, I think it was like Steve Saka or Pete Johnson or somebody. And everything is he was describing what he <laughs> the intent of the blend was. All of a sudden, we're like, yeah, I'm. I, I am getting uh, sawdust and pencil shavings right at the <laughs> right at the beginning of the two thirds, just like you said, Pete. Like it, it, it's too much. Of, there's too much. Yeah, it's like he's incepting it. Yes. Uh, so so we don't do that anymore. 
Uh, no, and that totally makes sense. And, you know, Rick actually has that point. He doesn't like to tell people what they're supposed to experience, because if I tell you that your cigar is supposed to taste like Captain Crunch and it does taste like Captain Crunch, well, then, you know, I'm full of it. And then if I tell you it does and you don't experience it, and you're like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my palate or the cigar? And then it's like, you know, everybody's palate is different yeah. and everybody receives something differently. So it's important to go into it fresh and unbiased to experience truly what you experience. So I get it. I totally do. Uh, well, it is our St. Patty's Day episode, so we may taste lucky notes of Lucky Charms. Oh, that would have been a better reference. I was just thinking Captain Crunch because it's on my counter. I had it yeah. to say <laughs> <laughs> well, to, Without telling us what to expect flavor-wise, how about you tell us a little bit about the blend and what we can expect, uh, you know, strength and body. Let's go there. Sure. So the Macamino Inspirato Green is our newest full run Macanudo for the Inspirato line. In fact, it's the last innovation that we had um, back in August of 2020, which seems like simultaneously a lifetime ago and a month ago. Yeah. Time is so arbitrary in the pandemic. It's like, I have no concept. It's very <laughs> bizarre. When is when, but um, it's actually the first time we're using Brazilian Araparaca wrapper or any Araparaca for the Macanudo line. So if you're familiar with the CAO Brasilia, mm -hmm. um, that also shares an Araparaca wrapper. Um, the difference is that that has all Nicaraguan binders and fillers, so it tends to have a little bit more spice forward. Um, so Araparaca wrapper, Indonesian binder, and then Dominican Piloto Cubano and Colombian for the filler. So... I don't want to like tell you what the smoking experience should be like. I'll let you guys sort of dive into that on your own. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as strength goes, I would say medium, medium plus, um, same with the body. And it is, the orange still holds a special place in my heart. It's my favorite of the Inspirato line. But honestly, the green is closely, closely number two. Okay, <laughs> we, we actually don't. I, I, you know, the, the Brazilian tobaccos that, that we have had, you know, can we expect some, they have a very unique characteristic, the, mm -hmm. a, very, a sweetness that's a, I, I, I kind of find this unique sweetness in the Brazilian wrappers uh, with, there's some spice there for sure, but, but there's, oh, yeah. there's this unique kind of chewy sweetness that I get on, on Brazilian tobacco. It's almost like a chewing tobacco kind of, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than a, a juice I almost get like a dried fruit sweetness because it's not okay. overly sweet. I mean, you don't get like sugars, um, but it's just this interesting complexity of being like sweet, but then like a little earthy and a little spicy. So there's just something about Brazilian tobacco, like our Baraca specifically. I find Matafina to be a little bit more black pepper forward, um, where this is a little bit more subdued. Um, but yes, you are going to get a lot of interesting depth and complexity simply within the wrapper. And then the reason we did the Indonesian um, binder and then the Dominican and Colombian filler is to sort of highlight that wrapper because there's so much going on with it. We didn't want to compete with everything else. Yeah, the, the Indonesian certainly stays out of the way of most things, mm -hmm. uh, but it also can give you that kind of nice little tea, tea in there. And then, uh, man, we don't, what, why don't we see more stuff with Colombian tobacco? You know, honestly, I don't know. I personally love Colombian tobacco. I love the CAO Colombia. Um, I think that the tobacco on its own is just not intense enough, if that makes sense. Like, it's fine as a component for something else to be in a cigar, but to have a really Colombian-heavy cigar, I just don't think there's enough to it. Um, also, Colombia, to my knowledge, is not big in tobacco growing. You know, they're more into coffee. Um, so they're just as far as 
from an agricultural standpoint, the space that is used to allocate for tobacco may just not be there. I'm not entirely sure, but that would be my best guess. Um, And just from the tobacco side, it's just something that isn't necessarily, it doesn't stand out in a lineup if you have other things to choose from. It's it's the parsley of tobaccos. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, parsley, I agree. It's like, if it's there, it's good and it makes sense. But the not plate, but a plate, uh, you know, a dish that's eighty percent parsley. Who wants that? <laughs> but uh, isn't that chimichurri? And I love chimichurri. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, Sorry, I'm not trying to be argumentative here. No, there, there goes my theory. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> but that's the only one. You are the first of about thirty, forty-five times tonight. I'll be told I'm wrong. So. Uh, <laughs> okay, perfect. Glad I could start this. Uh, start yeah, this just, like, we'll just a little bit significantly more than that. <laughs> Uh, doctor, I was being nice to myself. Uh, That's just the mean average. Well, let me ask you this. And yes, I realize as a, a smarter podcaster, a smarter host than myself would have asked Laurel this prior to acquiring acquiring his beers for the night. I'll blame this lapse of forethought on the coronavirus like I do everything else these days. Hey, Matt, did you pick up the kids from preschool? Oh, babe. Coronavirus. <laughs> I meant to. What What would you recommend pairing wise uh, adult beverages uh, to go with the Inspirado Green? And I really should have asked you this earlier, and I would have. Oh, gone that's and, okay. I would have gone and bought whatever you said, but here we are. You know, it's pretty simple, honestly. But uh, the two drinks that I like to pair most with it is still use ginger beer as a base. Um, a dark and stormy is my number one. Um, I really like that spice rum with it. It has a little bit of that sweetness and a little bit of that spice. I think it um, really nicely emulates the flavor of the tobacco. And then the ginger beer gives a little bit of that bite and it's a little bit fresher. And then you have the lime. You don't really get any citrus from the cigar itself, but it's a nice compliment. And then also a Moscow mule. Um, but I'll get a little fancy with the mule and I'll use like a different flavored vodka, like a grapefruit or, you know, peach or something if I want to do it. Um, a little bit more okay. I guess, fruity, but yeah, I would say if I could choose one drink, I typically do a dark and stormy. Okay. But bringing citrus into the equation is a good idea. I think so. Um, I don't think it competes with it. I wouldn't go overly citrusy. You know, I wouldn't do something I'm trying to think of a drink that has just like a super citrus heavy notes. Well, um, I'm actually drinking uh, our, my follow-up beer tonight, the Kung Fu robot. Remember that one boys? Oh yeah, no idea. Yeah. Uh, so you're gonna have some citrus forward stuff right there. Yeah, there's yeah. there's some there's some really nice, not overpowering, but really it kind of it's it's an IPA, but it actually is a very citrus forward IPA. Okay. But uh, so I think that might uh, maybe I'll bump that ahead of the the Deftones. Yeah. The Deftones beer is kind of tone deaf so far. So oh, it's cool though. Ooh. I mean. I wouldn't do like an orange juice based drink with it, but if you're doing a little hint of lime or if you have that beer that has the citrus notes in it, I think that the lime and then the citrus qualities really complement it nicely. Well, Laurel, you're just going to have to watch the whole episode when it airs to find out which of our four beers work the best. (laughs) Okay. If any of them work at all. I will wait with bated breath. Uh, Oh, don't, don't do that. It's not worth it. And so, Tom, uh, an hour from now, we don't want to hear you say, damn it, I can't taste that Cabin Crunch you was talking about. <laughs> right? I'm totally going for it. Hold on. Going for it. Oh, dude, after two hours of talking about Leprechaun 4 in space, I'm going to be so hammered. I will be like, she said there was Cabin Crunch. 
No, she didn't. No, she didn't, Gabe. <laughs> Thank you. No, I did not. I told you I didn't want you to tell you that it tastes like Captain Crunch. Well, also, I stand by my Captain Crunch reference because Lucky Charms, not that good. It was, oh. Do you well, know this? Hang on, because you can take Captain Crunch, put it in a blender, and then make a coating for your salmon, and that is awesome. Oh, I do Captain Crunch chicken. Ooh, Captain Crunch chicken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See? yeah so do a little bit like that within the breading, and it gives that crunch. Yeah, super good. But salmon would not have thought about that. Yeah. This is all over. Yeah. You, guys, you guys are blown, blown me away here. Uh, did you know this, Laurel? The doctor and I were having a conversation in the car today. Do you know what the name of the leprechaun is from Lucky Charm Cereal? I don't know if I even knew he had a name. He does have a name. Then I do not. Lucky? Well, that's his nickname, but he actually has a formal name dating back to when the cereal was first released. Sir Charms. Sir Charms, how regal. I know, I was going to make that my Zoom name tonight, but we'd never met Laurel, so I didn't want to confuse him. Like, this asshole, Sir Charms. Do I really have to call him Sir Charms? <laughs> no. You totally should have. Yeah. Oh, man. Laurel, before you leave, uh, have you ever seen any of the Leprechaun films? I've seen one and two, and I don't want to say I was not impressed but you really have to be in the right state of mind <laughs> what state, like of, mind, what state of mind is that Laurel? <laughs> exactly yeah. that state of mind blood alcohol content around the rangers team batting average about 2.17 yeah that would help there you go uh, it was the big screen debut of one jennifer Anderson. yes yes uh, also did we cover why you watched it three times I watched this uh, movie tonight sober three times. Yeah, I basically what I do is I, I vet a ton of films for us to do on the show, mm. and once I finally settle on one, I'll watch it again to make sure I didn't screw up in that decision, and then I watch it a third time and actually take the notes because what we do here basically is it's like an old time radio play. We take you through the movie and we tell you the story of the movie. We don't just okay. kind of give you the yeah, it stars this, this is what happens. No, we actually take you through the film and we kind of dissect it um, scene by scene. And it's it's kind of this exercise in um, drunken, um, what, what am I looking film for, Doctor? School. It's like a drunken film school where we heavily, heavily encourage oh, our listeners. Deep. Yeah, we go deep. We have a lot of listeners who've never picked up a cigar before. They're, they're film people or they're okay. beer people. So our mission in life is to suck those people in and talk so sexy about that cigar that they will go. And we get stories that's so awesome when someone listens to a show like, God damn it, you made that cigar sound so good. I mean, Tut's talking about getting notes of like buttered toast in that cigar. I got to go find this thing. <laughs> right? Who doesn't want to smoke buttered toast? Uh, I, think, I think Laurel's yeah. question is, why did you watch it three times? And I think the answer is either he's a meticulous professional or hopelessly insane, and you have to kind of figure out in between those two where it falls in the spectrum. Straddling the line a little bit. Yeah. As know. French composer, what's his name? Once, As man? French composer uh, LeBlanc Lebus Every podcast needs that host of madness. Uh, somebody's got to do it. Again. That's fun, though. And is it always – I mean, I assume – Legi- I don't want to say like Leprechaun for Leprechaun no. space where it's like legit, but I feel like you have a whole like range of movies. That no, you this this isn't Mystery Science Theater. This is uh, we do new movies, new release movies. Okay. We do, we do uh, 
I, I'm a big, uh, before I, I started doing this, I was, uh, I was really, uh, I was a filmmaker. I made a horror film. So we're, uh, a couple of us are really big horror guys, but we don't, that's not our, yeah, well, that's our bread. Well, that's our bread and butter Tut up there. It's not. So he's kind of made us keep that to a little chunk around Halloween. We'll do like a four, our March to Halloween, about four horror movies. Chunk we do a around lot of Halloween, it's like one in four movies is a horror movie. We do a lot of comedies. We do a lot of yeah. uh, everything. But we also go back. A bit. You know, we'll do like Pretty in Pink. We'll do uh, okay. We'll do all sorts. Can't Buy Me Love. We, we, we're, we're kids of the 80s, so we do a lot of sure. stuff that we grew up with. And uh, uh, what is your favorite movie, just non-horror or leprechaun related? <sighs> non-leprechaun. Probably Young Frankenstein. Oh, okay. I could watch that movie Frankenstein, please. a day. <laughs> in front of, you know, I just, I don't know. I love Mel Brooks, but that movie in particular, I just love. Um, Good answer. Good answer. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, but you should talk to one of the, um, we've got a gentleman who works for us who is from the film industry. He started Chegg. Um, I don't know if you remember Chegg. Chug? That was like Chug, Chegg. The, web, the website? Chug? Yeah, Chug. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like the CNN movie reviewer for a long time. Yeah, he's our um, regional manager in the southeast. Nick, he's a really good dude. So I, you could probably have to, a great conversation with him. I yeah, I used to check Chud out every day. Yes, yes, yeah. He no, he's awesome. So do you, know, do you know what Chud stands for? I don't actually. I believe it stands for City Humanoid Underground Dwellers. Okay. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Yeah. Very interesting. You know, he, he worked in film for a very long time. He's in the Atlanta area. So obviously, as you know, there's like a lot of films made there. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, a small, again, a small world. Yeah. It is. Uh, okay. Well, if we ever do Young Frankenstein, you got to come back and join us. You can stick oh, around. Oh, for sure. Stock up the fridge. You can you can do the long four-hour marathon with us that night. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll watch it, you know, three times before we, uh, we get back on. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to, the last thing, and this is a big thing, I'd like okay. to use this opportunity with Laurel here to announce that Macanudo has come on board as our newest sponsor to the show. Whoa! Tut, do you have like hey. a, a, do you have an applause uh, sound effect you can put in there? Still working, still working on that. Uh, hey, maybe with some of that Macanudo money, we can get that applause button. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, so you'll be getting all the latest Macanudo updates during our upcoming programs. And Yak Boy, I thought about you when this news came down as a lifelong Macanudo smoker. This has to be like full circle, man. Like, that's kind of a cool I'm feeling. Like, I'm completely excited. This is something that, you know, I mean, if babyface Texas A&M freshman Yak Boy could see you now. A internet podcast star being crying, being sponsored <laughs> okay. by being sponsored by the one and only Macanudo. Your your little nineteen year old head would explode. Um, That's awesome! It all comes full circle. Full circle. Sometimes sometimes things work out really cool. Uh, well, Laurel, it was a pleasure having you join us. Um, hey, real quick before we leave yeah. before we leave films, you're in Milwaukee. I am. Have you ever seen an American movie? Uh, no. Check it out. Okay, American movie. It is a, a documentary uh, shot in and around Milwaukee. Okay. 
uh, starring the most unique character. Well, I don't know. There might be like a million of those doctor up in Milwaukee. Like we think he's so unique, but maybe he's, he's just a, a normal guy. What was his name? <laughs> he's like the norm up there. His name's Mark Borchardt. Okay. Um, he became kind of a cult character after the movie, uh, American movie, kind of documenting his life as a filmmaker in the Milwaukee area. Okay. Uh, it's, this is coming from a guy who hates documentaries. I'm not a documentary guy. It's one of my top three movies of all time. I really? Watch it, I watch it at least twice a year. I feel like I've been to Wisconsin just from watching the movie so much. Um, but as a Bears fan, I will never, never go up there, obviously. You're a um, Bears fan, really? Yeah. We all have our faults. It's fine. <laughs> That's what we say all the time. I'm willing to admit it. It's fine. My husband's a Bears fan too, as is my father. Oh, there you go. It is a sickness that cannot be treated by modern medicine. Only more of this stuff. Um, but yeah, check out American Movie. It okay, is, I will. It is, it is a brilliant, brilliant uh, film. So thank you, Laurel, for both your time and your knowledge. And I look forward to, hey, I look forward to coming down to an event somewhere in Texas, hopefully, and getting to light up a smoke with you in person. For and, sure. Uh, me and the boys will come down there, and things will be back to normal before you know it, and we can all do that. And if it doesn't happen and things get much worse, we can always Zoom again. So, we can always Zoom again. <laughs> this was super fun. Thank you so much for the invite. Happy to be here. I truly hope that you guys enjoy the cigars and, um, you know, have fun on the rest of your show with your St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> We have yet to not have fun. And uh, just, yeah, thanks again. Let's do this again. I really appreciate your time. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Nice to meet you. Hey, thanks, Laurel. You too. Bye. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, I want to thank uh, Laurel Tilly from Macanudo for joining us. Uh, that was a hell of an introduction. Usually it's just me telling you about the cigar. We actually got someone who knew what they were talking about. So I wonder if she was like, you know, calling up her boss right now. She was like, hey, does that sponsorship mean I have to do more shows with them? <laughs> uh, real quick before we light up, uh, just because uh, she didn't give the specific. We are smoking tonight the 6x50 uh, Toro size of the Inspirado Green. Speaking of cigars, y'all know who makes some really good ones? Who's that? That's right, Yak Boy. Our good friends over at Drew State. And one of the most delicious offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Steli Miami, crafted by level nine Cuban rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze in Cali Ocho. The Herrera Steli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Steli Miami features a rich black and gold packaging it's available in five sizes. This delicious cigar is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. So go get you some. Hey, Thomas Engel says American movie rules. Thomas Engel, you rule. Guys, can we take I a I guess short I'm going to have to watch that movie. I haven't seen it yet. What? I know. I haven't seen it. Uh, guys, can we take cut watching that movie? Right here, you see what I'm doing? I'm picturing Tut seeing it, and he's picturing getting all the little nuances, everything I'm trying to do. Hey, doctor, can you check and make sure everybody has green shirts? Uh, I've got one. No, that was a line from the movie, remember? Oh. Hey, Mike, check make sure everybody's got brown gloves. Has everybody got brown gloves? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mike. 
Okay, before Yak Boy introduces the uh, beers, though, Tut, I'm about to light up. Man, there's that sweetness on that cold draw. Mm-hmm. If you smell the foot of that cigar, rich, chewy sweetness. Yeah, that's weird because I was getting some like barnyard. I, I'm getting barnyard, uh, just that kind of barnyard smell off the wrapper itself. But when mm-hmm. you smell that foot, yeah, there's a little bit of sweetness there. But man, on the on the draw, it's a it's a yeah. really rich. Yeah, you do get a nice little sweetness there. So I'm gonna let's set fire to these things, and Yak Boy, as always, is going to tell us about what we're drinking tonight. Remember, we're reviewing Leprechaun Four in Space. Uh, it is our St. Patty's Day episode, drinking Extravaganza Bonanza. So we're going to be smoking the Macanudo Green, and I don't care what you fuckers say, my shirt has green stripes on it. And They're greenish. I am going to start with the doctor because look who came to the party pairing his beer right out of the gate. Love it. Tell us what the doctor's drinking. The good doctor has the space camper cosmic IPA as he's holding up on the screen right from Boulevard Brewing. Good, the good people at Boulevard started back in the glorious year of 1989. They've been rocking it since the 80s. Good year, good year. Well, the doctor was kind of, the doctor was kind of hesitant because he had never heard of Boulevard. I hadn't either. They've been around since the fucking 80s. Yes, uh, Kansas City. Uh, the, the 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 space camper. Uh, it's a 5.9 percent, 50 IBUs. Uh, they 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 give it the the notes of saying it's it's a juicy IPA. You're gonna take the the use of the hops uh, really loads it in towards the end. Uh, you end up with uh, what they give as notes of prop of like tropical fruit. So we'll have to go to the doctor to see if he picks up on that or what he picks up while he's drinking it. But yes. Do you think the uh, space camper was one of the five craft beers at the peach pit? It could have been. It could have been if it was around in 89. They had all the craft beers at the Peach Bar. All five of them. Okay. Uh, that, well, that sounds good. I'd like, I, dude, I can't believe Boulevard slipped past our radar. Uh, all right, let's get it over with. What's Tut drinking? Tut has gone with the most Irish of beers ever. And I won't apologize for it. He went with the greatest, most prolific stout in the entire globe. Anywhere on this earth, you can go and you will find a delicious Guinness. Started by Arthur Guinness back in the glorious year of 1759. The oldest. I think it was just them. Before the U.S. was even founded, this beer existed. Yeah, I think it was just them and Boulevard Brewing back then. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. It was just those two guys. Nobody's going to give you shit for drinking a Guinness for our St. Paddy's Day episode, Todd. It's 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 just one of the best things ever invented, beer or otherwise. You can put chocolate, coffee, molasses, king cake, stout cake, whatever you want into your stouts, and you just you got to come back to perfection. Every single time I have searched over, I keep looking for it and there's just nothing better in terms of stouts than Guinness. 
it's damn good. Um, and surprisingly low in calories compared to a lot of beers. Um, but you must, I know tonight we're all drinking out of our O'Brien's Steins. Uh, let's see it, doctor. Well, I'm not drinking out of it. I, I bet the guy who's actually at O'Brien's right now isn't drinking out of it. That, tra- <laughs> that tracks. Um, but when you do go to O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown Historic Temp- Temple, Texas, get it in the, is it is it a tulip glass or a tunip glass? What is it called? Tulip. It's a tulip. tulip or, or, or a goblet. We can, either way, we'll accept it. The The tulip glass is the only way to drink it. It gets that perfect amount of head on there and it's it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful. it's the glass it opens that up the, opens up the the waft of auroras the tannins it, the tannins yes it, it except the, the tulip is is the ideal glass for guinness it it allows the cascade to run its full course yeah, so that you end up with the with that glorious just perfect I, I, I say like three quarter inch head on that beer, and it just gives everything. It is the cream. It is the icing on that cake. Well, we love that three quarter inch head. Do you ever get customers at the pub who bitch about it? Like they want their beer all the way to the top. They can go fuck themselves. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Uh, Tut, I can't remember getting such a chocolate presence through the nose are you getting a a, a, a kind of a, a cocoa with with that it's a minimal spice on the nose i'm not getting a a, a, a you know a huge blast of uh, a pepper on the on the retrohale but i am getting like this cocoa which i usually never get only through the draw no i'm definitely not getting cocoa i'm getting a subtle spice on the nose and that's about it it is subtle and then uh Man, like a, a really warm oak on the draw. You're getting like a, a kind of a nice full woodsiness on the draw. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure whether that's oak that is, but uh, uh, it's definitely a woodsiness on that draw. There is something else dancing around. It, it's a little it's a it, it's a little flavor bomb that kind of comes in there and just teases you for a little bit. I'm hunting for it. I'm hunting for it. Ramen noodles. Mm-mm. No, I, that was bullshit. Uh, all right, well let's uh, let's leave you, Yak Boy, for last, since St. Patty's Day is your holiday. Uh, what am I drinking tonight? From the wonderful people over at the Belching Beaver Brewery, uh, located in wonderful Oceanside, California, going all the way back to the glorious two th- year of 2012. Uh, the Deftones Phantom Bride India Pale Ale, sweet IPA, uh, rocking in at 7.1% mm-hmm. ABV, and now they throw it in at 55 IBUs. So I'm curious because I mean, they, they give that sweet can, Man. it's got the skull on it, it's got it, the it might actually be the first honest, uh, assessment of IBUs by a brewer we've had on the show. I'd put that right about 55. <laughs> yeah, the, the bitterness is minimal. Um, it's a got a wonderful citrus aroma to it. Uh, the aroma immediately grabs you, but uh, yeah, man, it's, it's mellow. It's smooth. There, there's a, there's a, man, there's a maltiness to it. 
which which actually makes that whatever IBUs are there even a little more subdued and muted because you get that maltiness, but mixed with that kind of citrus element, uh, there's a little bit of orange, maybe a little bit of grapefruit. Um, but yeah, I put about 55. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's certainly going to stay out of the way of any cigar I'm smoking. So I, uh, I, I picked it because obviously tonight the leprechaun finds himself a bride. And this is the Phantom Bride uh, IPA. And also, during the pandemic last year, I discovered the Deftones, a band that's been around for a long time and I never really paid any attention. And they released a song called Ohms in the middle of the pandemic. I really liked it. I kept listening on the radio and it was really, really good. Uh, it had uh, Jerry Cantrell from Allison Chains playing guitar. Um, oh, that was on the actual Phantom Bride song. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, their music's not bad. And I, I usually hate all music. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Deftones are okay. And they collaborated on a, so far, an okay beer. I do have a follow-up beer, but we'll, it's one that we featured before. So I'll, I'll let uh, Yaks mention that later on. Because I think as the master of ceremonies tonight, Yak Boy, everyone wants to know what you're drinking. I... Trying to find something, but I was like, you know, I couldn't figure out which way to go. Do I want to go to the space theme because of the leprechaun in space? Or I'm going to go with the Irish theme. And I came across this. This is uh, called the Irish Goodnight. It's by Avery Brewing Company. They're located in Boulder, Colorado. Been making beer for over 25 years, since uh, about 95. Uh, and this is from their Barrel Age series. Uh, 59th in the series. The Irish Goodnight uh, is a imperial milk stout aged in Irish whiskey barrels. Hmm. So, uh, and it's rocking in at a 16% ABV. I believe so you I only, will be I will be nursing this. I, well, I believe you only bought one of those. I only bought one. I'm like, I'm going to buy this. Maybe I'll buy this, all this, this entire thing. Like, no. I saw that they were selling it by the bottle, so I'm like, I'm going to buy just one. How much was that bottle? Uh, this bottle was $14. So you paid 14 bucks for that beer. Oh, yes. Is it good? So far. <laughs> so far. I took it – is, it is – and, you know, a lot of the barrel-aged beers, you end up with a really strong that that bourbon barrel, whatever whatever they use. You end up with just it's just like a smokiness, right? It, it's not even like you're like drinking beer; you're drinking whatever that barrel was. Yeah, yeah. This is still beer. This is a and I and I like the fact that in this instance they used a milk stout because you're getting it. It is a very sweet milk stout in that sense because it's picking up that from the barrel but it's that you're not i'm not sitting here going oh i'm getting kicked in the face with whiskey i'm yeah. not getting that at all and considering how strong it is i'm actually not really getting kicked in the teeth with that alcohol just just pure alcohol so i'm liking it right now like i said i'm gonna i'm gonna take my time with this okay Effectively, us, I've got five beers in one glass. Gotcha. 
let me let us know when you shift gears to another uh, to another one, and I will do the same. Uh, Tut, before we move into the movie here, which won't take us too long, Slepicon Four in space. I've got that slight pepper tingle on the nose yeah. with some uh, a surprising for me a dark chocolate through the nose, which I can't remember that ever showing up on a retro hell for me before. And then I've got that warm oak on the draw, and they're starting to get kind of a a coffee presence there with that oak. Um, yeah, it's working good. And I know that's not coming from my from my beer. Um, I'm still getting like just teased with this little bit of spice sweetness on the draw. Some spicy sweetness on the draw. On the draw. Man. And by the way, that retro is very pleasant. I'm not getting the, the dark You're not getting the, Yeah, thing. but for me, it's super pleasant because a little bit of pepper and some dark chocolate. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, that's nice. Uh, okay. Well, boys, let's keep drinking. And I will introduce tonight's film. Leprechaun 4 in Space, 1996. Was that a good year, Doctor? Did we have a good 1996? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, th- I thought so too. I thought that was that was right in our prime. Uh, Hopefully, we were just at that point coming into it. But uh, yeah, uh, we of course the tail end of it. I don't remember. Hey, I remember so little. We of course discussed 2018's Leprechaun Returns back on our third annual St. Patty's Day drinking and chugging beer and drinking stupendathon, and here we are about to see what mischief this little guy gets into up in space. How could this go wrong? Myriad ways, oh, laddie. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It, it goes wrong. Um, the I could have swore we did more Leprechaun movies. I was like, all right, let me see where we're at here. I, I guess we've probably done three or four of these things. I gotta. No, we only done one. No, but we talked about like all of them in the Leprechaun Returns deal. Mm. I was kind of surprised you went to the the Leprechaun bucket again. Well, like I said, Todd, I drink a lot, and I, I thought this was our regular thing. Like, oh, St. Patty's Day, got to do another Leprechaun movie. Now I'm realizing that's not what we do at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did that Leprechaun in a in a beer bottle movie. Get get getting lucky. Oh getting yes, lucky. that doesn't that that doesn't count as a Leprechaun movie. Exeter Flexeter. He never killed anybody. Well, he killed some livers. Except that nerd's liver. Uh, which, if you ask me, had that coming. I love watching us all take six swigs from these giant. Every, on the count of three, everybody take a swig. One, two, three. It's not the same because Cody doesn't have one. I have a hat. Do you have a hat? No, you got the hat. Everything's fine. That's right. Everything's fine. Maybe the hat needs to go up one. No. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Fucking team. Out, out. Damn right I am. The film is written by Dennis A. Pratt, based on characters created by Mark Jones in the original film. And it's directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Does that name ring a bell? No. Oh, well, he directed the previous installment, Leprechaun 3. That I do know. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, I almost said that like Leprechaun. Oh, did he? <laughs> oh, it's well, Tut, 
like myself, you drink a lot, so I'll understand that it doesn't ring a bell. Our last episode of 2020, just a few short months ago, <laughs> we featured another film directed by Brian Trenchard-Smith. This is our second Brian Trenchard-Smith film. Remember Turkey Shoot? Oh, <laughs> ah. yeah, that was pretty good. And if you remember, Quentin Tarantino cited Trenchard Smith as one of his favorite filmmakers. So again, that can only mean we're in for one hell of a treat tonight, right? That's right. Right? That's so right. How did he... Turkey Shoot? Yeah, he directed Turkey Shoot. I have to go back now and figure out where he went to connect the dots of how he went from Turkey Shoot to Leprechaun 4. Well, in between there was Leprechaun 3, apparently. Yeah, he directed that one. Oh, I can think about a couple of million dots to connect on how you got there. No way, in hell, no way in hell this guy's getting paid a million bucks to direct Leprechaun in space. <laughs> I can think of tens of thousands of dots to connect to how you, you got tens there. Tens Ten grand. Ten you grand. directed Turkey Shoot. You think you're going to get another job in this town? It's Leprechaun 4 or nothing. This will be my comeback. We'll give you ten grand and a book of Arby's coupons. All right, I'll do it. All right, keep the coupons. But don't give me those coupons. Yeah, keep the coupons. Keep keep the coupons. (laughs) All right, you boys ready for this? Yeah. We start things off, imagine this, in space. As a spaceship cruises its way through a meteor shower. I say a meteor shower. It's like two big CGI boulders just kind of floating around. Oh, sweet, sweet 1990s. Semi-CGI. Well, we listen to the playful gothic musical score by Dennis Michael Tenney. And I really like the score. I thought it was... These Leprechaun scores... They're, they they hit the Irish notes. They hit the, the, the kind of comical nature of the films. But that's probably, judging by all y'all's faces, that's just me. Um, inside the space vessel, a group of space marines with names like Lucky, Mooch, and Sticks are loading their space guns and juggling their space grenades as they prepare to land on the planet Ithacon. Their commanding officer, Sergeant Hooker, a.k.a. Metalhead, barks some fairly simple orders at this crack squad of commandos, and he speaks as if he's a contestant on the Wheel of Fortune, which may or may not be due to the shiny metal plate that covers half of his skull. In a few minutes, we will board the shuttlecraft and proceed to target area Delta. Our mission is search and destroy. I repeat, search and destroy. I almost turned the movie off at this point. <laughs> I was digging him, man. I, he's going to grow on me, but at this point, I almost was like, I'm not doing this. Well, you know, I, got the, I mean, as soon as he walks in and he's got his cigar and all, I was like, they're, they're trying to recreate that scene from Aliens 2 when they come out of the cryo tubes. And I was like, it's nowhere near the same. Oh, of course not. That's James Cameron <laughs> and Bill Paxton and Sigourney Weaver. I'm this sorry, is- but that's still, I don't care what, I, I mean, because I was like, I knew what they were trying to do as soon as they do it. I was like, I know. I was like, I know what they're doing. I hate it. You're it's ruining like, memories. The most beautiful scene ever. <laughs> I was having fun with it. Metalhead goes on to say that they've been chasing this alien son of a bitch long enough. 
In fact, this alien has disrupt, disrupted the galactic mining operation to the tune of half a billion dollars. Tut, that's a lot of dollars. Is it because you would think a galactic mining operation would be like I don't know why the I billions? To, or... I don't know why I went to you with that. Let's move on. Well, maybe they had some, you know, they they had, you know, reset the inflation rate. So I mean, uh, a terrestrial mining operation. How about this, doctor? Money. That's a lot of money, right? Well, yeah, but think all the Mister Clean that the Sergeant Hooker has to buy to clean that half of his head. I mean, that, my God, that Chrome Dome is shot. Doesn't come from somewhere. Yes, uh, it does. Comes well, from Uncle Sam. The word has come down from top brass to kill this alien bastard once and for all. A very cute female enters the room, biological officer Dr. Reeves, and she tells a disgusted metalhead that she has orders to accompany his team down to the planet and collect samples of any, of any alien life forms they might find for her boss, Dr. Mittenhand. Bullshit! 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 This female of the species is supposed to join our search and destroy mission? No way! <laughs> In case you couldn't tell by my reenactment, Metalhead isn't happy about this one bit, obviously. But I'm afraid they all have their orders, don't they, Doctor? We've all got our orders. Metalhead wasn't happy about much. It was not. Uh, Metalhead assigns Pretty Boy books. I think they've got that nickname. They caught him reading a book maybe once. Uh, to be Dr. Ree's babysitter, and they're off. You've been watching a ton of sci-fi flicks and TV shows recently. What did you think of the CGI when the shuttlecraft exits the mothership and soars down to the planet Ithacom? That looked pretty cool, right? It was brilliant in 1990s glory. Terrible. Just terrible. If you two shit all over that Willis movie, the Leprechaun 4 and Space had no chance. I still think it looked better than anything in Bree. Bruce Willis. <laughs> That's a good point, Doc. Uh, actually, Tuttle, you, got, you and the Doctor especially defended the hell out of Breach, and it's, it's uh, computer guys. That, this was just... I can't... It's hard for me to. It put was myself... low. It was low budget, nineteen nineties. So you're still de- you're dealing with restrictive it's, technology. It's, it looks bad. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't looks... I can't help but think even in ninety six I would watch it and be like, oh god, really? No, there was a time there to where there was like you know some I graphic type stuff. It is was... literally like one step above la- the the last Starfighter, and that came out like mid eighties. But I here's the thing. I like I'm so glad you Star mentioned Star. the last Starfighter because I don't think we would have had that reaction if we were watching this in '96. Because exactly. I, I was going to mention the last Starfighter and go, I love that movie. But when you watch the last Starfighter now and you're looking at the out of space graphics with the gun star and the frontier, you're like, okay, this looks like a video game I would have played in an arcade in a mall. But you didn't realize that at the time. I, Kate, I'm going to say I don't think at the time. Okay. Yes, now when you're looking at it. You're looking at it now and going, oh, my God, this is fucking cheesy. That's but fair. If you're watching it back then, I don't think we have the at the comparison point. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, do you, doctor, you want to tell everybody who directed The Last Starfighter? Uh, one Nick Castle, right? Nick Castle, a college friend of John Carpenter who would take on the Michael Myers mask. He was Michael Myers in the original Halloween. Mm. A little bit of trivia for you that... 
pretty much everybody knows. Uh, well, down on planet Ithacon, we discover a scantily clad princess, Princess Zarina, to be exact, chained up in a cave. You see, boys, she's a prisoner of the Leprechaun. Ah. The little troublemaker is once again portrayed here by Warwick Davis of Willow and Star Wars fame. And the leprechaun has prepared a very romantic dinner for the two of them by candlelight, no less. It's a nice little spread he's got there. Princess Arena seems grateful to be free of her shackles as the two sip green champagne. That is until the leprechaun announces that she will soon be his wife. Phantom Bride. Oh, look at you. American Pillow. The leprechaun tells her that it's her royal blood running through her veins that will one day make him a king, finally. And that will finally bring him the respect in the universe he deserves. I feel that. I sometimes feel like I get a lack of respect around here. I think when I looked over there, Doctor did something a minute ago that I missed. No. No, no, I didn't I didn't do like a fake clap or anything like that once you showed your phantom bride beer like this, thought of sarcastic. I didn't do that at all. Oh. I didn't do it. Oh, okay. Princess Zarina starts throwing dinner rolls at his wrinkly face, but she stops suddenly and has a total change of heart once the leprechaun magically turns the dinner rolls into sparkling gemstones. If she marries him, he promises to make her the richest gal in the galaxy. Well, I wish I had that power. That would have saved me some embarrassment on a few dates. (laughs) Uh, Really? Beef and cheddars at Arby's? Well, check this out. Do the beef and beef and cheddars at Arby's. The curly fries turns into gemstones. <laughs> Yax, will you be serving green champagne at midnight on St. Patty's Day at the pub? No. no. Is there such Absolutely. thing? Is there such thing as green champagne? I'm sure there is, and I wouldn't want to drink it. It's okay. just pure gasoline. Probably so, Doctor. Okay, I know you watched Leprechaun 3 just prior to viewing tonight's film. Was there anything in that movie that explains why the Leprechaun is now suddenly up in space and thrusted seemingly several hundreds of years into the future? Absolutely not. So part three... (laughs) No tie-in. Part three didn't end with him being strapped to a rocket ship and going into space. There's There's no continuity there. They just decided, fuck it, let's do this. He just he just went from Las Vegas to outer space. Haven't we all? Um <laughs> uh, I just thought because they did such a good job with Jason X of actually narratively explaining how Jason gets into space. I thought that film's I love that film. That's brilliant. Hellraiser, they figured out a way to get him into space. At one point when producers were begging John Carpenter to, to come back to the Halloween franchise. He was like, yeah, I'll do it if you let me take Michael Myers into space. And I'm sure he would have cooked up some kind of interesting backstory to it. But no, the, we're just, this is happening now, right? I like how everybody had this phase in the franchise industry. Yeah. Of, I'll do it, but we're going to space. Eventually, oh, you got to... Like, we've made nine movies. What are we going to do? Let's that's blast true. Let's fuck outer space. Uh, Can't we okay, mix well, it up? Can't we go to the bottom of the ocean? Like some, you know, deep Leviathan that, ocean? No. That's where they sent Chucky. There was a Chucky movie where he was under the sea. He was haunting a family of manatees. 
No, they never sent Chucky down under the sea or into space, but there's still time. <laughs> uh, okay, I just wanted to check because I've never seen part three. I was like, well, maybe this makes sense. Maybe they launched the little bastard up there. I don't know. Uh, okay, so we're, we're just doing this. He's up in space. Let's go with it. Okay. Once the mar- once the Marines land down on planet Ithacon, the computer-generated backdrops don't get any better, sadly. With the pointy boulders and the purple lightning bolts crashing down everywhere. Dude, it looked like they filmed this shit in a laser tag arena, like at a kid's arcade. They may have. They may <laughs> have. Oh my god, it looked terrible. Books asks Metalhead if he's ever seen a place like this before, and the commander says, or he's like, have you ever seen anything worse than this? And the commander says, I've been to Detroit. Dude, even up, in, even up in, the, in future outer space, Detroit can't catch a break. <laughs> have any of you guys ever been to Detroit? I have not. I, no. wonder, I wonder if it's really as bad as movies have told us it Send is. Send him to Detroit. No. No, no. Uh, it was also a reference in that movie Out of Sight with uh, George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Clooney's on the phone with his, his bank robbing buddy, Ving Rhames, and and uh, I guess Jennifer Lopez's character went to Detroit, and so uh, she's tracking somebody down, and Clooney's like, they're on the phone, and he's like, I don't know what the hell she went to Detroit for. And Ving Rhames is out missing a beat. He's on the other phone, and he goes, well, she likes shitty weather. So it's just Detroit's just getting shit everywhere. We should do a live show in Detroit and bring some sun, sunshine to that city. The Detroit Tigers have a rich and interesting history. Of course, I'm just really getting my baseball Jones on here as the season comes to a beginning. But hey, uh, Bill Lambeer. That's a reason to to not like Detroit. Yeah, actually, yeah. It, was, it was kind of okay. Moving on. A a hand puppet covered in melted Play-Doh attacks one of the Marines. But he quickly blasts it to pieces. He then makes his way deep into the cave, deep into the cave, where the leprechaun and princess were hanging out. Upon seeing the table covered with gold coins and jewels, the soldier starts filling up his helmet and pockets with the loot. That is until the leprechaun appears behind him with a green lightsaber and chops his legs off. Or at least I think that's what happened. Because we don't get to see the legs getting lopped off. There's no gore here. And he doesn't say any kind of cute little limerick like a leprechaun should when he cuts off the dude's legs. He just kind of swings the lightsaber and that's it. It's done. Lame. That was disappointing. It's a oh. leprechaun with a lightsaber. Give it a break. You can't make There's a- got to be something that goes with that. I don't know. I, I, I was I was disappointed. Violet, say cheese. Now I'll be taking care of you from beneath the knees. Thank you. Oh, that was that was pretty lame. I'm oh wow! This. Somebody oh, got was... somebody got paid to write this script, and the doctor just did him one better. Improved it twenty years later after drinking <laughs> out of a fucking thing like this. <laughs> Good job, doc. The little guy takes the dead Marine's laser pistol, and a firefight ensues between him and the other commandos. All right, I will say this. This movie has a lot of gun battles between the Leprechaun and the Marines. <laughs> and I, I do get a kick out of watching that little guy run around with that gun. Because to him, a pistol's like a rifle. 
Like he puts the pistol, like the back of the pistol under his arm. <laughs> uh, the leprechaun jumps on a grenade to save his beloved princess and is promptly blown to bits. One of the Marines named Kowalski. Oh, Kowalski. The one who threw the grenade and blew up the leprechaun. He starts pissing on the leprechaun's remains in victory. I guess that's what you do when you kill somebody. You pee on them. Death from above. And a green <laughs> mist arises from the leprechaun's body parts and zooms right up into Kowalski's pecker. He turns into green gonorrhea. <laughs> pretty much. He yells out in pain, and his buddy Styx finds that amusing. I'd give you a round of applause, but I see you already got the clap. <laughs> Styx is played Doctor. Who This guy deserves so much better than this movie. Who plays <laughs> Styx? Uh, oh. Good old Miguel A. Nunez of uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, I, thought, I thought I recognized uh, him from somewhere. I, I didn't know that. Friday the 13th. Long career. Friday the 13th Part 5 and Return of the Living Dead alone are in the Hall of Fame. Makes him an, a horror Hall of Famer. I man, this guy is just so good, and I, I, I actually early on felt really sorry for him that he was in this this thing. That changes later on. We'll see where that goes. Well, and, they load up. Man's got to get a check somewhere. I had, and I understand that, but it's just like, man, I really like this guy, and like, I got no problems with this effort. I got no problems with this movie so far. Well, that tracks because you and I usually disagree on everything. I just, I just think I'm having fun with it right now. Okay. Well, uh, the Marines load up the wounded princess. Her hand actually got blown off in the explosion, and they also load up all the leprechauns' gold and head back to the mothership. Tut, sci-fi fan, did you, did you wish they would have stayed on Ithacon longer so you could kind of explore that world? No. No, let's let's get on with it. Get on with okay. it. I was with you. I was with you. On it. Hey, we agree on something. There you go. There you go. Move that plot forward. Uh, do we agree on where the cigar is? I am still getting a a medium spice with some cocoa forward draw uh, retro hail and a, an oakiness and a, you know a pretty pretty nice coffee element on the draw. Man, I'm missing the the cocoa on the retro hill, but I'm with you on the spice. I'm missing the coffee on the draw. Uh, I don't know whether it's oakiness or mine's kind of like maybe I'm just mis misinterpreting. I get more of a little light leather type of type of taste with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we're kind of I think we're kind of there. Yeah, because I haven't even talked to you. How are you? You liking it? I am. I can agree with you. I. I am getting a, a a stronger cocoa with that, and I mean, considering what what my beer is, which really I was, I mean, it's a barrel aged beer, but it, it is also a milk stout. But it, there's not really, I guess maybe from that barrel aging, there's not a lot of chocolate coming from the beer. But um, I am getting that from the cigar. Are you getting on I the ret- getting, on, are you getting on the retro hail or the draw of the cigar? Like me, I'm getting it on the draw. I. It's it is really a lighter cocoa on the draw. On the retro hell, I'm getting just a, a little more a peppery note. But like I said, my beer 
it is 16 percent, so there there is a kick to it but more potent than a bottle of cabernet so it's kind of you might turn into a leprechaun before the show is over uh okay and on, i'm sorry on the draw you were getting some cocoa were you, and were you with tut with the leather or me with the oak and coffee i would probably go i'm i'm, I'm gonna agree with tut i'm getting more of a leather on the on the cold draw on the aroma i was getting kind of a a bready it was almost it was it was almost biscuity for me so Bis- it was it was, it was like a, it's like a it was very, you know, that thing of like, like a, like a, like a biscuit. I mean, it's that, that sort of dry bread. Yeah. I, I was just yeah. I get what that. you're saying. Oh, not like a dog biscuit. No. Oh, okay. Who was getting dog biscuit? I was wondering, I was wondering how you Did knew. Did you get what, dog biscuit? I was wondering how you knew what that tasted like. Okay. Uh, well, it sounds like we're kind of getting some of the same stuff, some different stuff. That's interesting. Um, I had to actually relight. No fault of the cigar. It's actually performing really good. It's got a yeah, smooth. Yeah, yeah. I'm having a great, yeah, great no. experience it's with this thing. by far the most copious smoke production I've ever had out of a Macanudo. Uh, when I just lit up, I mean, it was just pouring out of this thing. Uh, so that that was my fault for talking too much. But uh, yeah, razor sharp burn lines. It's performing great. And it's actually other other than me ignoring it, it's it's kind of a slow smoke. That's done already. I was about to say, yeah, I'm trying. I, think, I was like, man, I think I need to slow down a little bit. Okay. And and my beer, my American Pale Ale, is uh, staying completely out of the way. Uh, the citrus notes aren't influencing at all. Um, who knows what's going on with the Ag Boys beer? Uh, Tut, Guinness always plays nice. Yeah, yeah. There's not a. You you make a bad cigar if it doesn't pair with Guinness. No, if you if you smoke a cigar that's bad with Guinness, it's just a bad cigar. <laughs> okay. As Dr. Reeves uh, and her co-worker Harold examine the princess's body back in the lab, Dr. Reeves notices that the princess's necklace is a royal piece from the kingdom of Dominia. Saving her could lead to better relations with the Dominions, she says very enthusiastically. Did y'all recognize Harold? No. Yeah, boy. Of course I recognized Harold. One Gary Grossman from this. Uh, Bachelor nobody, Party. Bachelor Party. Tom Hanks' little mustache buddy that picks up the hooker, like the little party animal. Wow. Yeah. Him. He was the little guy. And it went on to star in Leprechaun 4 in space. He had the sweet joke in the beginning of, of Bachelor Party. He's on because he, he's a, a, a ticket sales guy and he's on the phone. What do you mean, boy, George has to cancel? What do you mean he's got a yeast infection? <laughs> oh, man, I missed it. Yeah. <sighs> Doctor actually almost had to cancel for that same reason. Yeah. Didn't have a yeast infection. <laughs> no, he, he does not. Hey, party on, Yaks. Now I, gotta go. now I have to go rewatch Bachelor Party for the 18,000th time. I, I haven't seen it since like the 90s. Oh. Early 90s. <laughs> it hurts. That's it. I'm changing my Zoom name to Rick the Dick.
and I can now move on with the show. Okay. Uh, Harold is particularly jazzed about all the gold they brought back on board, but as he's examining it, Metalhead barks at him, Hurry up, dickhead! Get this stuff secured so I can go get drunk! You're kind of bleeding into your Trace Adkins. It's, it doesn't quite get Adkins on us. <laughs> Hurry up! Hurry up, dickhead! It's Hurry up, dickhead! Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite go. I would I would like to hear Trace Atkins call somebody dickhead. I bet that would be sexy as hell. Hurry up, dickhead. <laughs> Hurry up, dickhead. Get yeah, this I, stuff I, secured so I could go get drunk. Is that better? I mean it wasn't it wasn't that wooden. I I, I didn't <laughs> I I I just I liked the use of the term dickhead because I just hadn't heard anybody called that in a while. Somebody's all hurry up, dickhead. I, I just Yeah. I just, we need to start calling more dudes dickheads. It's a good it's a good thing to call dudes. It's like, hurry up, dickhead. <laughs> hurry up, dickhead. I want I need to go get drunk. The, the, the fucking the, the bad part is the only dudes I talk to are you three. That sounds like something one of us would say though. Hurry up, dickhead. I need to go get drunk. I mean, I, I can understand the motivation of metalhead. Hey Tut. No sound. What's going on, dickhead? But then Stop he's like, buzzing my balls, dickhead. <laughs> See, now we're getting there. <laughs> what are you laughing at, dickhead? <laughs> it really is a shitty thing to call him. <laughs> I'm with Doctor. I haven't heard anybody call anybody a dickhead in a long time. It's a, it's a good thing to call somebody that you don't like. And I like you guys. Now... Exeter Flexeter, I'll be replaced, and I don't know who'll stand in my stead, but the three of ye are drunken dickheads. <laughs> you calling a dickhead? It's just it's an example. I was just giving some leprechaun stuff. Oh, okay, okay. You know what? I'll solve this problem. Well, here's what... <laughs> There's these huge pauses in the show, folks, listening at home. If you're on, if you're on YouTube, you understand. We're drinking out of these enormous vessels... How many ounces does this hold, Yax? Yeah, one metric 30, liter of beer. 36 ounces? Uh, uh, 33.8 ounces. I remember I chugged one of these some one St. Patrick's Day. That was a hell of a show. You better agree with me, dickheads. Like no way, dick nose. <laughs> oh, dick, well, dick nose is good, too. Dick anything is kind of, well, let's see, dick nose, dick head, dick face, dick lips. Dick face is just mean. A dickless. Dickless. <laughs> dick weed. Well, dickless is kind of a, a, a an ego thing, like, you know, I got a bigger dick than you, but dick, dick, dick face is just, you're saying a guy's looks, his face looks like a dick. That's kind of harsh. I mean, is it any harsher than dickhead? Yeah, I think dick face is worse. Dick face, the face thing does kind of. It is kind of like, like if a dude, like if, like if I was like at a job and like a dude was like, hold on, I'm trying to figure this out, dick face. I'd probably go into bathroom and be like, what? I will, I will say yes, dickhead, dick face is very harsh. It's a, it's a slap, it's a slap to your dick face. It is a slap right across your dick face. This is this is a worthwhile debate. I'm glad we've gotten into this. this hey, nobody else stuff. is having nobody else is having these debates. 
Macanudo right now is trying to figure out how they can cancel that chick. Let's see. Do we really should have watched one of these shows before we talked to this guy? <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. Did I did I miss the Cigar Dojo episode where they debated the difference between being called a dickhead and dickface? If they already if they already tackled this topic, we'll back off. <laughs> oh, my stomach hurts. I love it. Okay. Uh, well, you see, here's why Metalhead is so antsy to get drunk and get Harold the Nerd to wrap up his shit. The Marines' contracts are due to expire at midnight. Their job here is done. At midnight, they can get in that escape shuttle and head home. But when Dr. Mittenhand tells Metalhead, he pops up on the computer monitor, that they're going to continue orbiting Ithacon until a mining operation can arrive and take over, and you will continue to provide security on the ship. The sergeant, he's not feeling it one bit until the mad doctor screams at him through the video monitor, nobody leaves the ship unless I say, unless I so say. I say so. I love how he fucked up, and then he corrects him. That was funny. That wasn't me fucking up because I'm drinking. That he actually. Well, I, I know. I, I watched the. Movie. No, I'm telling our our, our our listeners are used to me saying shit backwards. So I'm. The guy himself actually said, "Until I so say," and then he paused. He was like, "I mean, until I say so." I thought that was the bald guy from Total Recall that tried so to. Did get I. So did yes. I. So did I. Yes. I could have sworn it. I could have sworn it was the recall guy, but it's not. Yeah, the way that the the way that the camera the camera angle was when you first see him on that monitor, I was like, "That's total recall." Those eyes, it's those eyes, kind of looking yeah. down. But then when you get to, then when you see like a side profile later on, I was like, "Yeah, that's not him." All in all, the mothership isn't such a bad place to be stuck on, though. If these Marines are going to be stranded here longer, they've got an entertainment room complete with music, a disco ball pretzels and a ton of booze kowalski or ko as his fellow soldiers call him the marine who took a leak on the leprechaun back on ithacon is grinding up against an amorous female soldier named dolores on the dance floor and it's not long before they decide to sneak off and get frisky elsewhere recognize her of course debbie yes. from tool time on home and on she a... was the tool what? time She's the tool time chick from Home Improvement. Yeah. It's all right. And apparently in the future, hundreds of years from now, people name their girls like old-timey women, Dolores. Hey, what's old is new again? Look at this beautiful child we brought in the world. Look at her shining, gorgeous, innocent face. What do you want to call her? Dolores. I think you're being Take kind that of dick face. Dolores. Could have called her Dolly for short. It's an old lady name. Nobody would ever name their new kid Dolores. Beg to differ. Do you know a young Dolores or are all your Dolores' old people like me? I don't know anyone named Dolores, but I'm just saying you're maybe knocking on the name a little bit. Fair is fair. Dick face. (laughs) As the super sexy Dolores... Unbuckles KO's belt to get busy. He winces in pain and tells her, Whoa, take it easy with Mr. Snake. But she's confused because she hasn't done anything to his penis yet. 
Kowalski then crumples to the floor in agony, and we see something trying to break through the crotch of his camouflage pants as the William Tell Overture starts to play, which I thought was a nice dub. Well, you guessed it. A few seconds later, the leprechaun bursts out of K.O.'s dick and flies across the room. Dick what's face. He, what's he say, doctor? Let this be a lesson to you, lad. Always wear a prophylactic. Which was weak, man. Come on, he could have done better than uh, that. That was very weak riding, man. The Irish fairies have sang their song, and now look what happens to your dog. Yes. At this point, when I type this up, a few seconds later, the leprechaun bursts out of K.O.'s dick and flies across the room. That's when I made the decision to cut Laurel loose after the cigar introduction. <laughs> we, yeah, we, need, we need seasoned veterans of the podcast only at this point. Um, Dolores picks up a gun, and as she approaches the leprechaun, he pulls out a six-shooter on her, and he starts talking in the John Wayne voice. All right, we'll hold it right there, pilgrim. I know it sounds like my Trace Atkins voice. It's the only voice I do. Now, I'm not going to hurt you. Doctor, he, he does try to hurt her, though, doesn't he? He does, and I could have done without his, his cowboy impersonation. It's he's not little... what we've come to know and love about the leprechaun. But when he says he's not going to hurt you, he is good. He's a little liar. He's he's, he's a duplicitous little guy. <laughs> he's quite duplicitous. I agree. Uh, Doctor, does he drop any cute little rhymes as he stalks Dolores through the ship? Uh, I think all we get out of him is something that's not quite a rhyme. It's more of a... a... Kind of a threat. He's a, I am eternal as the sun of a thousand demons from hell. Depth and distraction are my game and agony is my name. Yeah, there's nothing funny or cute or rhyming about that. It's, Yax, you're shaking your head and just, it's terrible. I noticed when uh, Dolores was unbuckling K.O.'s pants, your hat didn't go up a notch. You weren't. Oh, this, hat, this hat didn't know. Man, <laughs> tough crowd tonight. <laughs> you see, right, the right. Kowalski's groin. Now, uh, there we go. Poor groin. There we are. Go a little bit. One notch. Now I'm making bad rhymes. <laughs> well, the leprechaun pounces on her, but she's able to knee him in his little wrinkled bag of coins, if you know what I mean. His nutsack. Uh, I'm referring to his little green nuts. Yes, yes, we we got it. Uh, I did love though when she kneed him in the balls. It made that classic sound effect of a frying pan hitting somebody on the head, and the little guy's like, "Oh!" Would have been better if went, "Oh, me coin, oh, me bag of coins." It keeps me in the Lucky Charms, dude. I don't remember. No, 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 no. we'll get sued. We'll get sued. I don't remember another film where we're this far into it. And like the first thing I'm like, oh, I actually like that about the film was a sound effect. That's telling. Harsh. Back in the entertainment room, Books and Dr. Rees are getting to know each other a little better at the bar. So you're a doctor, huh? A biologist, actually. A doctor of biology. 
So that must mean you're pretty smart then, right? These two attractive bird brains were clearly meant for each other, but alas, they're from two different worlds. He's a terrible actor who would go on to star in the Bold and the Beautiful soap opera, while she is an awful actress who would later be cast in the Young and the Restless soap opera. <laughs> I, sir, oh. I take umbrage with your criticism of one Jessica Collins. That is a lovely woman who has been- I didn't say she wasn't lovely. I said nothing about her loveliness. There's just too many differences there between these two, the Marine and the biological doctor. But we shall see if love can find a way. Sometimes it you does. You mean they translated uh, Leprechaun 4 into a working gigs on two very popular soap operas? Man, they're just god-awful. Wish Some... I had been able to do that. It's terrible. Sometimes love finds a way. Remember that Yes song? Love will find a way if you want it to. Actually, actually, I was a bit harsh. You're right, Tut. This C-level Italian stallion wannabe, he's not that terrible. The bold and the beautiful. All and I got was a cameo on the meek and the plain looking. And I'm kind of shaking my head at thinking that any kind of trained thespian would ever accepted this fucking role. So, yeah, you know what? He's perfect. Dude, he's a working actor. He's getting the job done. Good on you, man. What, 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 as long as you don't turn around as long as you don't turn around and say you know what I can't believe uh, you know Leprechaun 4 nearly ruined my acting career I taking all these shitty movies almost you know forced me to quit acting you know as long as he's not doing that you know dude take the role get the money have fun doing it there you go and actually on the bold and beautiful he played the bold well, also, he could literally take his resume. Look, I can read some very stilted dialogue, so whatever you throw at me, <laughs> I got it. Hey, I'm sorry. We just wrote these pages this morning. Can you uh, make some sense of this? I was in Leprechaun 4 in space. You'd be amazed, you'd be amazed at what I can do, dick face. <laughs> dick face? I'm clearly a dickhead. Actually, we'd be amazed at what you're willing to do, but that's another conversation. The female, the female Marine, Dolores, runs back to her fellow soldiers in the entertainment room, and they all stop dancing. How long have they been up in space? These dudes are all dancing together on the dance floor? They've been up a long time. Long time. 30 days. You know what they say in space. <laughs> you can't hear you scream. Dude, I say that. Like, the TNCC gets the Well, question. Metalhead literally like, told, like, we're only here for 30 days. Wait, you act like you've been here for, like, years. Like, we've been trekking into the darkness. We've stared into the void. How, hey, many, we, how long have you been here? 30 days. We couldn't help but notice Cade and the doctor out on the dance floor grinding up against each other. My God, how many how many Look, years have you guys been out here? Five days. They've seen some shit. They've seen we left Earth this morning. <laughs> they, they showed up at 10 a.m. That was two hours ago. <laughs> I'll rub my ass on the doctor. Jesus, these guys have just... Okay. <laughs> well, hey, Dolores runs in, wanting help, and they mount up for combat. For some, for some reason, Dr. Rees believes that the leprechaun is hiding in the organic waste unit that's filled with flesh-eating bacteria, so Sergeant Metalhead recruits the dingus Mooch to Mooch, head in there. You're and... Mooch, you're up. 
our hero books is a good Marine. So he offers the suit up and an enormously oversized hazmat suit and partner up and, and partner up with his buddy Mooch. Dude, they look like, you know, when those people put on those suit, those inflatable sumo wrestler suits, these are the craziest looking hazmat suits ever. This set, though, I should say, filled with toxic green gas coming up from the floor vents, sadly looks better than anything on set we saw in this year's Bruce Willis sci-fi flick, Breach. And I don't know if that's me finally giving this movie a compliment or me taking yet another shit on Breach. I'm going to go with the shit on Breach. Yeah, I'm definitely not saying that you're This movie has better set design than Breach. I said it is literally 20 years apart (laughs) and probably a budget wise 20 times difference. That's Trenchard Smith. He doesn't settle for bullshit. Man, vicious, just vicious. Well, the leprechaun wearing a tiny hazmat himself, hazmat suit himself. Why did they have that little hazmat suit in there? Uh, He's a leprechaun, man. He can snap his fingers. Boom. There you go. Do anything. But why would the, why does the leprechaun need it? Apparently, he can like he's a more, survive a good know. grenade blast. Well, he's, lit. Yeah, but then he gets he, he gets turned into mist. He has to go up somebody else's penis. Then but that's where I'm confused about the leprechaun because Jason has rules. Michael Myers has rules. If the leprechaun can snap his fingers and get a tiny little midget hazmat suit show up, couldn't he just snap his fingers and kill everybody and be back where he, like can he just do anything? No, I think there is yes. some like some sort of power type thing. I think uh, like in 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 normal leprechaun lore, I think like there's like a limit to their power. Like they have to come into their full power. I'm not sure that this movie takes in leprechaun lore and anything. <laughs> I'm well, pretty sure you're lepre- correct, Doc. The leprechaun in that little tiny hazmat suit, he is in fact waiting in there for them. He slices open Mooch's protective suit with a knife causing Mooch to instantly erode into a blood-soaked skeleton. And the leprechaun looks at books and tells him if they return the princess to him, he will spare all their miserable lives. Well, he's not wrong about that. They they do all seem miserable. Exeter Flexeter. I'm not the stoutest and I'm not the leanest, but I did just shoot out of Kowalski's penis. <laughs> Again. Thank you, Doctor, for walking off. A guy got paid to write the script, and he didn't come up with any of these little limericks. This scene called for a limerick. God damn it. Every scene he's in calls for a limerick. Yeah, and we got none. We got zero fucking limericks in this movie. I'm about halfway through the cigar. Are you guys getting anything different? No, not really. Uh, There is a breadiness, though, uh, on the... like the after aftertaste of the palate, uh, the mouthfeel, I guess. Uh, but taste-wise, yeah, no, it's it's that nice, pleasant spice, not too heavy, not too powerful, but just just there to where that that full flavor profile of the spice is on the retro hell. Uh, the draw is just a, that straight up standard wood leather that's really really nice. But it's not, I guess, that I've been kind of you know, so Nicaraguan focused, uh, over the last year or so, it's not that strong, you know, Nicaraguan type of, of wood profile. No, it's not. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm still getting that, you know, dark chocolate uh, pepper on the draw. I know I'm the only one getting the dark chocolate with the pepper on the draw, but I, I am getting some of your leather and breadiness there with the that that coffee note that I was getting on the draw disappeared after the first third. Yeah. Now, now in the midpoint, I'm getting I'm getting your leather. I'm getting your kind of toasted breadiness. Yeah. Um, in the middle. Um, again. I'm only having to relight because I'm talking so goddamn much. It's, yeah, this is a really interesting little cigar. I'm, I'm digging it. I'm I'm surprised that I'm not getting. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not getting. Maybe it's just blended away. Uh, the Indonesian uh, the Indonesian part. I thought that would it would be a little bit more forward in the profile. You That's know what though? Bad. If you listen to Laurel, she said it wouldn't. They picked Indonesian to stay out of the. Oh, out fucking, of the way? Out of I the guess, fucking way of the blend. I was trying things over here. You hit mute on the head. Your headphones came unplugged during the thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was trying things. Trying things. Yeah, no. I mean, they, I from what I got, yeah, they they, they really wanted to showcase that the Brazilian rapper by picking some more subdued binders, okay. and, binders and fillers, and especially with the Indonesian binder and the Colombian filler. And I, I get that, but I, I'm just... Man, I I just have never gotten that dark chocolate through the nose, and it's it's just working really well with that oak and the and the toasted bread and the the leather on the draw. It's a lot of flavors going on there, at least from my end. Yeah, it's a mighty fine little cigar. I like it. Me the too. experience has been very very pleasant. And doctor, uh, if you could write a limerick about Tut's mouthfeel and work that in later, that would be great. Get my pen real quick. The Marines all march into the laboratory where they demand that Harold pull up Dr. Mittenhan on the computer monitor. Mittenhan tells them they are to kill the leprechaun because there's no way. And Mittenhan talks in a very Gestapo Nazi kind of. Very Gestapo. I immediately thought of Doc's impersonations that he does. Doc Doc does a good Gestapo voice. Nine, nine, nine. The, uh... Compliments, Turtle, have not gone unnoticed. Yes. <laughs> this will be remembered at the end of the show when I am handing out the merits. <laughs> I, I just want to, I just want Doc to say now's the time on the podcast where we dance. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dieter. Now is the time when we dance. Thank you. First of all, dancing together is what got kicked out of, kicked out, kicked out of that Kentucky Holiday Inn on karaoke night. <laughs> we don't ever mention that Kentucky karaoke night. You just cannot keep your fucking dick in your pants, you sick bastard. Hey, that was the red solo cup of uh, whatever that was, Jameson. That was five shots of Jameson for 250. <laughs> Took nine hours to get your smile off of Yak Boy's face. <laughs> Let me know if there's any change in his condition. Is it bad whenever I think of a Nazi uh, or a, that voice? I think of Die Hard when that guy was like drilling into the thing. <laughs> nine, 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 nine. He was good. He did a good voice. Yes, he was. Yes, he, yes, he was. Uh, well, Are you saying that my Nazi voice is unsatisfactory? <laughs> no, you, no. Very <laughs> sad. Well, Mid, Middenhand says. You guys are going to kill that goddamn le- leprechaun because there's no way I'm handing over the princess. She's too valuable. 
I'm not giving up any more, my men, so you can fart around with your test tubes and your formulas. The cigar-chomping metalhead screams at the doctor. Well, nobody, as Harold says, defies Dr. Mittenhand. As the Marines head for their shuttle to escape all this craziness, a huge door in the lab slides open and out rolls Dr. Mittenhand in the flesh. Before now, we've only seen his face on a computer screen. Much like Metalhead, but far more so, the doctor's entire body is made up of mechanical steel parts, computer chips, tubes, and fluids. Hold on a second. Doctor, stand up. Are All we ever see is your head and shoulders. What do you got going on down there? I will not take commands from you. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with me below the base, Uh, as far as you are concerned. Dr. Mittenhand's only remaining body parts are his bare shoulders and bare, like he's not wearing a shirt, and his large head resting on top of them. When Dr. Reeves looks like she might vomit at the sight of her mentor, she thought he was a normal dude. And here he rolls in on this little wheelchair and he's half, you know, half robot. Dr. Middenham assures her he's still the seductive genius and powerful man he was before. He's just like the Wizard of Oz in that he runs everything behind a curtain. But this wizard, he says, isn't fake. Yax, did you find him seductive at all here? Mm, No. What a dick face. Are you still on that 15% beer? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm, I said I'm sipping on it. I literally have like four beers in a glass. It's almost done. Okay. It's almost done. Well, you know, French composer Philippe LaRue once said that every great memorable piece of music needs that one moment of madness. And I think it's clear here that the full reveal of the fully shaven robotic Dr. Middenhand is indeed a moment of madness. But as to whether it's enough to make Leprechaun 4 in space great or even memorable with less than an hour of running time left in the movie, Doctor, I think this is where your tagline comes in. Uh Uh-oh. I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. Oh, I I will, Kate. I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. Sorry, I was still lost in my Germanic. uh... I thought you'd say that, Doctor. Sorry. Exeter Flexeter. Once upon a time, the doctor's timing had class, but his brain turned to mush, and now he doesn't know timing from me, yes! (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Metalhead and Metal Body negotiate the terms of the Marines staying on board and hunting down Leprechaun. They go back and forth on the terms of their business deal. How much will their bonus be? What percentage of the mineral rights they discovered on Ithacon the soldiers will share with the doctor? It's actually a little funny exchange. Like, all right, 100% bonus, 4% mineral rights, whatever we got on Ithacon. I will give you 3.5% mineral rights. They go back and forth. 2.5%, two points per month we're on duty. It's funny. It's a funny little exchange. And when they finally have a, uh, made a deal, Metalhead points his finger at the wheelchair-bound cyborg, Dr. Middenhand, and he warns him, if I lose any more of my men, your ass is grass. And then he looks down at the metal body, if you even have an ass. 
Best line in the movie. I like this drill sergeant. I like him. I like. Well, not the drill sergeant, but just the sergeant. I like. He's him. he's growing on me. He's growing on me rapidly. While Harold and the doctor experiment with the princess's blood in an attempt to regenerate Mittenhand's body and return him to his old dashing self, her severed hand actually grew back. So there's hope there that it could lead to something. And the Marines are tracking down the leprechaun. We join the little alien, quote fingers, as he's referred to. They apparently don't know what a leprechaun is. Like, he's clearly a leprechaun. Like, what alien is this? Uh, Sarge, we've spotted the alien creature, sir. He's wearing little black boots with buckles, striped socks, a green blazer, and speaking in an Irish accent. And a green top hat. And a green monster. And a green top hat. What kind of alien is this? It's a fucking leprechaun, you asshole. <laughs> never ate a goddamn box of Lucky Charms? They never refer to him as that once in the entire yeah. movie. They're the monster, the bastard, the alien. The twerp. <laughs> I'll get to that later. I love that line. Okay. I just, I just like, what alien planet is just overrun by dudes looking like Cody with that hat on? <laughs> but you told me to wear the hat. I'm sorry. An alien planet filled with dudes wearing green blazers. Those aren't aliens. Aliens don't wear blazers. Welcome to Mars. One of these days, I'm going to kick Kate in the arse. (laughs) Somebody's kicking me in the nard soon. The tiny evil munchkin is having second thoughts about marrying the princess and sharing his precious gold coins with her. You see, boys, sharing is a concept that's completely foreign to leprechauns. So he decides, not in rhyme, I should mention, that he'll wed her, wed her, bed her, and bury her all on the same day. I wonder if her father will pay for the wedding and the funeral. <laughs> you could have made a rhyme there that would have worked. You could know what? Now, now that we're doing this, I'm having flashbacks to that fucking other Leprechaun movie, and I think my biggest bitch about that was no fucking limericks. It was. Now that I remember it, it was. I didn't. I didn't get that till now. I'm like, they didn't. He didn't rhyme shit in that either. Part of his charm. I couldn't have gone for script treatment. But am I so drunk and uh, have I drunk myself into such a, an alternate reality? Did he? Did he not rhyme limericks in the first couple movies? Yeah. Maybe in part two he goes into a bar and he sits there to drink with people. And here he is, the little leprechaun at the bar, and they hand him a glass of whiskey, and they're like, he can't handle it. He's like, drink with me. Drink if you're able, but drink with me, and you'll be under the table. Yeah, he used to say stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I don't blame Warwick Davis, obviously. I, I blame the dick face who wrote this thing. Old, old Davis is just there to get his check. Hey, no, no, he's giving it his all. No, I mean he's. That's what I mean. He gives it his all, but like, yeah, you can't blame him for taking the role. No, he's not going back to Harry Potter money. He's not going back to his trailer and and writing his own lines. I mean, he's not going to give a shit that much. Actually, he needs to be a little bit more dickish and write his own lines. Be like, I'm Warwick Davis, motherfucker. I am the face of this franchise. Here's what I'm going to say. 
I'm sorry, were you a fucking Ewok? Because I was a fucking Ewok. I think I was the Ewok. I was the Ewok. You go to Disney Plus? Is that your face up there on there? No, that's mine, Willow. But see, he's not a dick face. So on the Star Wars Chris, on the Star Wars Christmas special, was that your? No, no, that was me. That's right, that was me. So I'm gonna say this limerick, and you're gonna direct this thing and shut up. I, 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 by all accounts, here he's a wonderfully nice person. I don't think that was his forte. I hear that too. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told that little asshole in the R2D2 suit. Play ball, or I'm coming for your ass. Are you saying that's what Warwick Davis said? No. That's what I would have said if I was. Yeah, that's what I. You've called him a little asshole? The guy in the R2D2 suit? Again, I've heard by all accounts. Kenny Baker? The wonderfully nice person. What do you have against Kenny Baker? Nothing. Am I in some kind of trouble here? (laughs) You need a lawyer. Can you talk to my lawyer? Am I being canceled? I, I think you are in some kind of trouble. Oh, shit. Well, budding lovebirds, books, and Dr. Reese bicker back and forth in the engine room. Dolores and Sergeant Metalhead scour the other side of the ship for the leprechaun, and this glorious exchange of dialogue takes place. Hey, Sarge. Yeah? You don't think Kowalski's getting killed was my fault, do you? What do you mean? Well, I'm the one that gave him the boner and all. (laughs) Forget about it. Kowalski would have wanted it that way. He was a Marine. Come to think of it, when it's my time to go, I hope I'm standing tall just like he was, the sergeant says with a big shitty grin on his face. This gets horny Dolores' attention. I feel weird saying horny Dolores because it's a fucking old lady name. Oh, really? She purrs, which freaks Metalhead out. He kind of has this moment where he's like, eh, don't do this. And he runs off. I love how, Kay, I love how you've gone from Trace Atkins to James Gammon of Major League. Come on, Dolores, don't give me that Olay bullshit. Every time you don't shoot the leprechaun, you owe me 20 sit-ups. <laughs> I was just thinking. You may have given her the given him the boner. Don't stand up and aim your rifle. He's three feet tall. Every time you aim high, you owe me twenty push-ups. Uh, doctor, do you think it's possible for Metalhead to get a boner with that much damage having been done to his cerebellum? Kate, as far as medical queries go, that is a brain teaser. But my. <laughs> God. I'm thinking that if his brain is metal and your brain sends messages down through to your loins, I just can't even imagine how it's even possible. Unless he right. is James Gammon, and then anything's possible. Your answer is probably it's... Better teach his leprechaun some control before he kills somebody. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Love you, James. Rest in peace, brother. How's he dead? Yes. As if that's shocking. Okay. Uh, The leprechaun finds books and Dr. Reeves, and he threatens to barbecue your buns to a crisp. (laughs) 
But the attractive couple and their firm buns managed to escape just in time. Man, at this point, guys, all the action here is lame. The Leprechaun's non-rhyming taunts are super lame. And with the exception of Dr. Mittenhand and Metalhead, this whole fucking thing is lame, am I right? It's all right. Tut likes it, Yak, so you and me, this shit's lame. This was, this felt, yeah, it felt like filler. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll they, give they you that. They could have shaved off 15 minutes of this film. Totally give you that. I guess I just knew what I was getting into from the outset, and it didn't disappoint from what I thought it would be. Yeah, Tut, In the words of the great philosopher, Felipe. they are who we thought they are. Yeah, Wait. but the thing is, Tut, I went into this. Oh, no, you got it. Okay. You're right, I went, I went into that with the same philosophy, like, all right, it's Leprechaun 4 in space. Let's just do this. I'm going to have fun with it. Something about it just bugged me up until a certain point. It was the limericks. If you had watched Leprechaun 3 48 hours earlier like I did, I think you would have been more prepared. But I like Tut's Dennis Green uh, analogy. Leprechaun 4 is who we thought they were. You want to crown their ass? Crown them. May he rest in peace. Dude, just there, I want to be up there with him and James Gammon at a bar table. <laughs> and Jim Mora. Leprechaun 4? Leprechaun 4? Come on. Leprechaun 4. Oscar? We're talking about, Lep- we're talking about Leprechaun 4. We're talking about winning an Oscar? Leprechaun in space? Four. In space? Look if we're on the sci-fi channel in 20 years. Oscars? In space. So the leprechaun kills one of the Marines named Danny by dropping a big crate on top of him while singing, Oh, Danny boy, there's zero blood and no rhymes or limericks delivered. Hey, but it was singing Danny boy. Then the leprechaun pushes Dolores off a high railing, killing her with zero blood and no limericks delivered. Don't you think, Kay, that this is clearly because you pointed out those two kills and the way that they're done. 96. I'm trying to think of when Sci-Fi Channel came around because it seems like this was a direct-to-video movie and so was Leprechaun 3 and even though both show uh, cleavage um, and have some gore and some some foul language, it almost seems like they're shot in such a way that we're going to have the R-rated direct-to-video cut and then we can edit it going into it right from the beginning tut we're going into this as we're going to make it very easy to pare this down for a tv i think that's i think that's a very good point yeah it's good it's a good call because sci-fi was coming on it it reached its peak uh early 2000s early 2000s and yeah other than the language all they would have had to cut out of this for sci-fi was the one shot which we'll get to later of there's some brief nudity and that um, was and that was almost like a well I'll wait till we get there. But but that does that does strategically from a, a, a Lionsgate from a home distributor standpoint, you give folks a reason to rent it as opposed to to watch it on cable because you are going to get some boobs, you are going to get some language, you are going to get something that you're not getting for free on cable. But we're planning for that secondary market. It was the perfect recipe, which a lot of these straight-to-video sequels did really well. It's like, 
man, we can we can just bleep out the cuss words. We can have one or two nudity shots that we'll put in for the the VHS release later on the DVD release. It's it was smart marketing, and I, I think this might have been around the beginning of it. I think you're right, Doc. Well, then the leprechaun makes himself appear outside the lab. Harold and the doctor Mittenhan are locked in there, but he shows up on the security monitor and he appears as naked Dr. Reeves in Jeopardy. She's naked, so an excite she says that everyone's attacking her, she needs help. So an excited Harold deactivates the security system and lets the leprechaun in. We see no boobs here, no buns, but I should mention we finally get a fucking cool kill scene here. <laughs> when the leprechaun gets in the lab, he throws a stainless steel platter at Harold's head and it flattens the nerd's face against the wall like a giant flesh pancake. <laughs> Impressive special makeup prosthetic effects here. It looked really good. And they even brilliantly reused the frying pan sound effect when it hits him in the face. <laughs> I liked it because I thought for sure that they were doing a decapitation deal where the sauce would come decap. I was like, yeah, I've ah, seen this, this before. Film, this film's been so lazy up to this point. That's what you expect. Yeah. And then when that, it shows that dude with the fat. The, and then cool. You see the eyes blink a couple of times, which I thought was a great little. Oh, dude, I, I love pan face. It was the only thing missing, boys. It could have been better if short stuff dropped a little limerick or even a clever pun. I'd settle for a bad pun at this point. Anybody order a plate of flat jacks? Come on, that would work. Flat jacks, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. I got that. If he said it, it would be better. You're, you're listening to me say it. <laughs> Sorry, Harold, it's time to die, but now your head will be the size of a pizza pie. Yes. Again, Doctor, somebody got paid to write the script, and you're doing, you're, top of your head, you're improving it. <laughs> Thinking juice. Learning juice. <laughs> Screenwriting juice. By the time the Marines and Dr. Reeves get to the lab, the leprechaun and his princess bride, who's now going by the name Zarina, Queen of the Damned, have already injected Dr. Mittenhead, Mittenhand, with a combination of alien DNA, tarantulas, and scorpions that the little bastard whipped together in a little food blender there in the lab. Don't ask. Zarina shows the Marines her boobs. Hey, now, we get to see some boobs. Oh my goodness! This was ju this was just like a checkbox. I mean, it was like it, not not contextual. There was nothing around it. I was just like, but Doctor Reeves informs them because they're all excited by you know, hey, she flashed her boobs. It turns out that on her planet Dominia, when royalty flashes their boobs at you, it's a death sentence. So that sucks. No, Tut's Tut's totally right, and again. I, I think that I, I knew what I was getting into, but having watched Leprechaun 3 a few days later, hell, they do the exact same thing. There is a <clears throat> gratuitous topless shot that would have been, again, very easy to edit out, 
and it's a very quick scene. You you did de- you definitely get an eyeful, but would have been easy to edit out. Serves no purpose yeah. at all in the movie. It's like okay, we're a direct-to-video R-rated movie. We need a pair of boobs, and so here we here we go. Well, that depends, sticks. What part of her anatomy is she going to kill me with? Man, I love me some Miguel Nunez Jr. He is pretty and, damn good. And, and Yak Boy, I can't help but see we got to see her boobs, and your your hat didn't go up a notch. Well, I haven't reached that next level just yet. Well, th- this is this is where it's okay. You're in charge of the hat. I'm not going to tell you how to. There you go. Cade Cade really loves that hat. Yax, have you moved on to your second beer yet, or are you still nursing that first one? Oh, I'm still nursing it. Okay. All right. I'm I'm down to the last couple of sips. Okay. He's 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 got a six-pack of that shit. He's totally fucked up. No, I actually actually saw him at the Speedy Mart today. He only got. He only bought one of those things. He he went back after you left. <laughs> I will say this: the uh, Phantom Bride American Pale, good beer pairing cigar or good cigar pairing beer. Uh, it stayed out of the way of the cigar. Um, well, the aroma was super citrus heavy. Uh, it's a malt forward hops subdued uh american pale ale which makes it great for drinking with cigars so uh it's a, it's a really good pairing beer um i'm sure guinness is treating you great um i'm not going to go to you tut yaks that crazy beer you had we're getting woodsiness and some oak out of the cigar that could have been confusing for you if you're getting that out of the oak barrel aging of your your beer, but I'm guessing at this point you don't know what the fuck's going on because you're so drunk. Well, I mean, the, like I said, the beer didn't have the normal. I mean, like I said, a lot of times barrel age series, all you're tasting is that barrel, whatever it was. If it was a bourbon barrel, if this was Irish whiskey barrel, and it is, it is strong. I I'm not going to shit you about that. That this is, it it will kick you in the teeth. I mean, I mean, I've got I got four beers in one glass. I can definitely feel it, but it's like I said, it's that it's that imperial milk stout. It's very sweet. I'm getting a lot of the same profiles I would from a normal milk stout. Just a, I mean, it's higher alcohol content, but it's not like I'm drinking pure alcohol. Okay. I'm getting, I, I'm getting I, flavors from that. Yeah, I was wondering how stout. how that would how that would treat you being that high of a content. Would it, whether I, it would get medicinal or not. I've noticed over the years, I don't care for things if they're marketed as aged in, in bourbon or whiskey barrels. I tend to not like those things. Uh, for Christmas, I got uh, a gift, two gifts. One, it worked out beautifully. One, not so much. Uh, I got a gift from the Pappy Van Winkle company. I got a bag of their coffee beans, which are aged in 
Periwinkle uh, barrels. And sure enough, that, uh, that distinct, it's almost an acidity that you get from things aged in, in the wooden barrels. It overpowers the coffee and I just, I don't care for it. Yeah. But I also got a thing of uh, chocolate Patty Van Winkle bourbon balls. These chocolate, uh, these four little chocolate covered bourbon balls. Fucking amazing. I mean, <laughs> it, I don't know what they cost, but I there's four of them in this really cool little case, and I ate them in the span of like 10 seconds. They were so fucking good. <laughs> So, but, but yeah, everything I've had coffee wise, that's aged in, in our friend Rev sent me some, uh, whiskey barrel aged coffee, man, it just doesn't really, and most cigars, that's been a big thing over the last yeah. couple of years, the cigars that are aged in, uh, that, that doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah. But... I'm, I'm with you there on that. The, the barrel aged stuff just doesn't, it's, I always like trying it out, but I've never been impressed with them. I hope the best best case scenario is it just if it's a cigar or a coffee it just tastes normal and it, you don't get that yeah that that kind of uh, barrel age thing it, it can backfire on you but uh, man those chocolate fucking those chocolate balls from Patty and Winkle are fucking awesome seek those out pappyco.com free ad there you go free commercial <laughs> uh, real quick. Okay. Uh, real quick, Cade. Yeah. Um, I think that given what Laurel said about the cigar, and I'm obviously not smoking it um, this evening, given what she said about it, I think the beer I'm having might have been a really awesome pairing with it. Go on. Uh, this is not high in alcohol content. It's 5.9, and it does have kind of a – not overbear. I'm I'm not much for any fruitiness in my beers. Uh, it's an IPA. It's called a juicy IPA, but it's got a little. You know, she mentioned like tropical. There, there, there's a there is a bit of a not overwhelming. I could see that. I would recommend if you guys are enjoying the cigar, give it another try with the old uh, Space Camper Cosmic IPA. I I could see just from what she said, this might be a good pairing with it. On its own, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Yeah, she she actually mentioned uh, what was the the barley beer or not uh, the ginger, not beer. ginger beer, which I'm not a I'm not I'm not a big fan of. But if you like Moscow Mules, then yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I make Moscow Mules. I drink a lot of ginger beer because of that. I mean, but. It's, it's one of those and – and I think maybe that's why this beer that I've got, because of that sweetness as a milk stout, is really pairing well with this. So just because, I mean, ginger beer is, is sweeter. I mean, it's, it's alcoholic ginger ale, basically. Well, I've switched over to the uh, – Cody, Yak Boy, uh, I've switched over to my second beer – because it is a little bit sweeter. It's a little bit more uh, citrus forward than my previous one. 
Uh, I am drinking now the Kung Fu Robot. We do have a ro- we do have a robot in tonight's film. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, we well, had, technically a cyborg. But there's actually another tie-in. We actually drank the Kung Fu Robot with the Inspirado Red Macanudo way back when on episode 72, I think. Um, yeah. So I saw it in the store and I went back to it because I remembered it was it was low on bitterness. Uh, we actually kind of had a hard time wrapping our heads around it, but we liked it a lot. And I think maybe it's more bitter on the front end than the Phantom Bride, but then you get a lot more citrusy kind of notes on the back end. I think that might actually benefit the cigar a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think we all agree. We wish we had talked to Laurel earlier and we had a bunch of Moscow mules in front of us. <laughs> what is, Yakway, what is a Moscow mule? A uh, Moscow mule is typically made with vodka and ginger beer with lime, lime juice and, and usually uh, slices of lime added. That sounds good. They're very good. Uh, typically, they're also made in a actual copper mug so that the uh, soda with the ginger beer reacts with the copper and adds a little bit. That metallic taste gives it something, just a little bit. I mean, it's not like you're, you're, you, you taste metal. But that the citrus reacts with the copper and, and, and makes a little bit different flavor. A lot of places will use a copper coated or a copper looking mug, but it's not it doesn't give it the same flavor as an actual copper mug. Do you guys use actual copper mugs at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic? We Temple? do not. Because people steal a lot of people- them. People steal. That was, your, that was your opportunity to say, yes, we do. No, no we people don't. steal them. No, people steal them. In a lot of places, if you want to drink a Moscow mule and like they've comp- got the like, like copper mug. wiring, like the, 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 the thugs go in construction sites and steal copper yes. wiring. No, yeah. a pure copper mug. You, a lot of places, if you want to drink it, they'll ask for an ID or a deposit on the mug. So, dude. Jesus Christ. A couple dudes walk into the pub and order some Moscow mules. You turn your back and they disappear with your mug? It's not just a couple of dudes. It's like, you know, everyday people. It's a syndicate? No, it's not a syndicate. It's everyday people just not having the common decency to not steal a fucking mug. Oh, you're saying like a husband and wife come in there and the wife's like, this is a cute little mug. I'm taking it home. Yeah. Yeah. Who would do that? A lot of people, apparently. Look at the Dick world. Faces. People Dick steal faces. salt shakers, for Christ's sake. They are dick faces, Yax. You're right. What a what a couple of dickheads. I have do never... we want to do we want to like do this yeah, thing? Get, yeah, I'll never understand stealing drinkware from a establishment. That's crazy. Okay, Tut, you bring up a good point. You're there towards the end. We've had. For me, uh, a steady, uh, really nice pepper spice on the nose with some dark chocolate. You guys didn't get that. On the draw, we've all experienced some oak 
I got a little bit of coffee in the first third. Then we all started getting leather and uh, breadiness. You never could kind of pinpoint that mysterious element that you... No, never could. It, it, it would just flash every now and then. But even that you can't pinpoint it is still note it's still noteworthy that you got something that got your synapses. She tingling. said she said this wasn't like the the peppery modafina. What which Brazilian rapper was this? All right. Fuck, I thought I was going to get through this whole show without trying to say this word. <laughs> she said it like three times and I tried to like really I, I, I've never heard anybody say it. Arroyo a rapper, a, a rapper, a rapper, a rapper, a rapper, rocker, a r a p i r a c a, a rapper, a rapper, a close enough. I've heard it both ways. With Indonesian binder, Colombian and Dominican fillers. So yes, Tut. Uh, did I kind of sum it up fairly well? But yeah, I think, I think she was right on point that it's a medium, medium uh, straight away. Uh, and to me, it's actually, you know, leaning a little bit on the full side. Uh, it's flirting with full. Uh, towards the medium's the end here, right there. Especially towards the end, that strength has the just nicotine strength in that last third has picked up quite a bit. And mixed with that leather and uh, that that bold retro hail. I mean, yeah, it's, I, w- I would go full in the final third okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we've been smoking on it for quite a while. It is a Toro. It is a Macanudo. And as Laurel said, they try to keep everything in a copacetic price point because that is what Macanudo is known Macanudo is known for. Noon for. Noon for as they say at Macanudo headquarters. Tut price point. Man, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a risk here and I'm going nine fifty. We smoked less complex cigars and quicker smoking cigars for far more. Yeah. So yeah. Nine fifty. Nine fifty, that's where I'm going. Yak boy. Ugh. Tough one, because I agree with Ted. I'm, 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 I'm right in that wheelhouse. I'm right, right there in that area. I'm gonna say nine, nine fifty and nine. Doctor, you didn't smoke the cigar, but I'm gonna give you a guess. Well, you li- you've smoked Macanudos before, and you listened to you listened to Laurel closely on the show tonight. What do you think? Very competitively priced, though. That's been one of their things. But uh... General's a big enough company where they can actually get you some really cool tobaccos and a slow smoking cigar like this, and keep the price down. I. Uh really want to agree with with both guys but i'll do the thing that all the dickheads on the prices right do and undercut them i'll go 875 okay well, i'm gonna undercut you doc i'm gonna go 739 whoa one i'm wondering did he have some sort of information beforehand hold on let me is look- it possible that he had some information beforehand hold on let, let me look at my notes here oh god 
the price is seven dollars and thirty nine cents. Man, that's a that's a winning price right there. That's a damn. It good really price. is. That is. This has been going on for about an hour and fifty minutes. Great construction. I've only had to relight because of me run yapping my jaws so much. Uh, really smooth burn line. Uh, the fact that the three of us got some of the same flavors, but with a, a few different things. Um, and I've still got another 30 minutes probably on this little guy. Uh, dude, seven bucks, man. Seven thirty nine. That's awesome. I think this will definitely, uh, it should compete with the boutique brands. Uh, it should be competing with the craft brands. Uh, I, I, I definitely enjoyed this more than the Inspirato Red, which mm -hmm. we did I enjoy. Agree. Tut said it was like putting Indiana Jones in your mouth. Did it? Did I say that? Actually, that was me. I just didn't want to embarrass myself in front of Laurel. Okay. Uh, I threw you in front of the Nazi train. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, dude, this might be my favorite Macanudo smoke. Where are you going to get a cigar that last that long that has the complexity that you guys talked about that was that enjoyable and was less than eight bucks come on that's value it is and please remember folks at home when purchasing some fine macanudo cigars inspirado green or otherwise from famoussmokeshop.com use your new favorite promo code to tncc20 at checkout It'll knock 20 bucks off your purchase of $100 or more. You can buy a box of these bad boys, which are already relatively cheap. 20 bucks off. That's mighty fine. Mighty fine. And I, and I, and I do, I do appreciate that from I, I realize General Cigar Company and McAmoo have a lot of money. And as she said, we can play with a lot of rare tobaccos and bring them in at a lower price point because we are General Cigar Company. We've got a lot of money. It's a good cigar. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's got some nice complexity. It's got some nice... Like I said, the three of us have experienced kind of different things throughout it, but it's, yeah. And I'm, and I'm not a, a Macanudo, unlike Yak Boy, I'm not a Macanudo cafe smoker. That guy smoked probably, you know, 10,000 of Macanudos in college, right, Yaks? Oh, yes. That, that was my, it was my go-to. Well, I mean, I mean, and a majority of the brands that we think of today didn't exist. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's true. Just something. I mean, you yeah. know, I had I had Macanudo, I had uh, I mean, I had uh, Fuente, I had Punch. But you are the guy that would walk in and grab a tin of Macanudo cafes, and you knew what you were getting, and they would always taste exactly like what you were expecting. Yes. And you know, she said they were trying to do something else, and I think this is, I think much more so than the Inspirato Red, which was. Uh, leather heavy earthy cigar this one this one's got a lot more going for it um yeah i like the cigar i do too thumbs up 
So the boys and Dr. Reeves head back to the entertainment room, guns first. And it's there that they find their beloved Sergeant Metalhead dressed up in drag up on stage, putting on a sexy burlesque show in a gold mini dress. You see the leprechaun has brainwashed Metalhead to do his bidding at this point in the film. And Dr. Correct me if I'm wrong, you texted me that you had a big chunk of metal in your pants watching this. That is uh, entirely untrue. I did not text you that, nor did I have any metal in my pants. In fact, it was at that point in the viewing that I was glad I was inebriated because I was okay with everything up till this point. Now this movie really has gone off the rails. It's off the rails. special effects, everything else, the green pea, leprechaun bursting through the penis. (laughs) All that I can handle, but when Metalhead is up there in drag... Shaking his moneymaker. Shaking what his mama gave him. Going uh, for it. it it's, this, this is where you're looking at the running time and going, thank Christ, this is going to be over with soon. Well, Books dances a little bit with Sarge, trying to snap him out of it. But that only gets him knocked out by some nunchucks, which Metalhead had in his shiny little gold purse for some reason. This is is the point of the movie where I start using that phrase for some reason a lot. Uh, Sticks can't can't get through to Sarge. Sarge, it's us! Marines! But he's he's a drag queen now. Am I allowed to say that, drag queen? Yes. No, I I don't think I... I I think I'm in some kind of trouble. My notes... No, no, no. Don't, don't you write anything down. Um, Got all kind of stuff written down here. Both but all sides. of a sudden, Dr. Reeves takes charge and knocks Metalhead out with some swift karate kicks. She mentioned to books earlier she was a black belt, which ties in beautifully with my Kung Fu Robot IPA. If you'll read the episode page, I don't think you'll be surprised who wins the pairing grade for tonight. Oh, we're never surprised since you write them. They tell us you're a podcaster, Kane. You're sure not much of a dresser. We wear green on St. Patrick's Day. This is green. This is green. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm wearing green. It's more of an olive. Which is a variation of green, am I wrong? It's a lesser green. (laughs) Back in the lab... It turns out that the crazy serum that the leprechaun injected in Dr. Middenhand has mutated him into a giant slimy spider creature. Equal parts man, computer, and spider, that is. He's no longer Dr. Middenhand, he declares. I'm Dr. Mitten Spider. Flies. I need flies. Bring me flies. Oh, man. He's hungry for flies, boys. Following Meanwhile, the let sergeant's drag dance, and then this—I would have thought. See, this uh, is see. This is when I'm waking up to this movie. This is when I'm like, all right, I was on snooze, but now I'm waking up to this fucking thing. I'm kind of a doctor. I'm I'm kind of going on snooze. You guys were on board earlier, and now you're ditching it. I was dismissed earlier but now i'm like all right they're giving me some shit here i, I think yaks are you with me boring 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 oh shit we got a spider we got a spider doctor 
now things are getting real. I can agree. I can. See, I'm going fun drinking movie, fun drinking movie, and what wait, the fuck? I've been drinking, right? Because I think I'm having delirium tremens now, but that... <laughs> but I'm drinking, so that doesn't make I'm sense. I'm drinking, so that can't be... <laughs> Meanwhile, the leprechaun and his bride, Princess Zarina, are programming the ship to self-destruct so nobody can follow the newlyweds and possibly steal his precious gold coins. The ship's computer voice announces that it will blow up in 20 minutes. And, get this, there's exactly 20 minutes left in the movie. I really appreciate it when they correctly time out the self-destruct thing to the actual running time of the movie. I like that. Hey, Cade, what did you like best about uh, Leprechaun 4? Well, I like that frying pan sound effect. And the fact that the ship self-destruct thing timed out well with the actual running time of the movie. That's my praise for this movie. Okay. A sound effect, and they timed out that shit. The two are really getting on each other's nerves, though, now. The leprechaun in Zarina. He calls her a ball, a ball busting bitch. And she calls him a twerp. Both slurs are very accurate. Uh, I thought they fit very accurately at this point. Dude, he is a twerp. He's a mischievous little twerp. And I don't, I don't use that slur enough. I, I call more guys twerps. Whatever, dick face. Dude, what about a combination? You dickhead twerp. That's pretty good. You fucking dick face twerp. It's nice. kind of like Chris Beer's live from Underbelly. You dunce puke. You dickhead yeah, twerp. I was pretty proud of that one. You dunce head puke. No, it's you, you dunce puke. You dickhead twerp. We jump back to the entertainment room where Sergeant Metalhead has popped back into action. He woke up. Only he's having a dueling personality crisis where one second he's talking in a a high-pitched girl voice and the next he's back to his Marine Drill Sergeant Wheel of Fortune barking voice. This character surprised me in that he started off so damn bad and cringe-inducing, I almost turned the movie off in that opening scene, but this actor actually ended up making it a fun performance to watch. Bravo, Tim Colseri. That's his name. I never think that any anything about it is cringe-inducing. It's just all of a sudden, then he's dancing <laughs> drag, and then there's the scorpion Spider-Man, and I'm kind of having that reaction I had when we watch Tusk and Justin Long all of a sudden becomes Walrus Boy and I'm going, what the goddamn fuck well, is going on? In that, opening, <laughs> in that opening scene, I'm like, if this is what this guy's going to be, the whole thing, I'm out. But he actually turned the corner there. Did you guys recognize him at all? I thought like, I should, but I don't. I, I never did. I never placed him. He was in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. He played the helicopter door gunner in the chopper. Get some! Oh, dude, yeah, totally. Dude. He's How get some. So many women and children. You don't lead him so much. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude, it is him completely. 
You should and write a story about me. Here's the thing. I'm a huge oh, Kubrick fan. fucking good. I'm a huge Kubrick fan. I didn't recognize him from that. I recognized him from the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Eraser. He played the security guard at the Cyrex Corporation when Robert Pastorelli shows up with a fake pizza and fakes the seizures. He's the security guard in that scene. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you look, look so goddamn familiar. And he also starred in a flick called Space Girls in Beverly Hills, which were us. I'm sure we'll get to eventually on the Tuesday night. <laughs> I'm not writing notes or anything. It, it, it's not available for streaming now. I'll find it. We'll get it. It's on the list. But yeah, he's the gunner from Full Metal Jacket. Holy shit. I can totally see the guy right now. That. That right there alone is one of the most. I mean, in terms of film, in terms of that movie. No, that 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 was one of the. That was, has been parodied and and parodied so much in that so many his, things. That was his claim to fame. He would go to all these conventions and get some and sign these pictures with him in the chopper. Like that. That's his bread and butter, man. His full metal jacket. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's his bread and butter, not Leprechaun 4 in space. Uh, I show I show up to the convention and he's got his get some sign in there. I'm like, do you have one of your role in Leprechaun 4 in the gold miniskirt? Do you have a 8 by 10 of you saying, hey, dickhead, drop your test tubes and uh, I want to get drunk? He's a Darth Vader on Tut. He grabs you by the throat and lifts you six inches off the ground. Nobody <laughs> ninjas leprechaun four. Gets up. Well, Metalhead slips up and rams his bayonet into a light socket. And that doesn't result in good things for him. Imagine that. Factoring that his head is metal. When he collapses to the floor, his head cracks open, revealing that he was actually a cyborg robot all along. Like the Kung Fu Robot IPA I selected for my second beer. Hey, he may have been a robot, but he was still a Marine, says the Saddened Sticks. The best, says Books, with somehow a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, how'd those guys deliver those lines? Straight face. Well, Books may have said that line with a straight face, but you know what I can say with a totally straight face, boys? What's that? Because, because it's the God's honest truth. Drew Estate produces an amazing variety of absolutely sublime cigars. Tut, do you think they'll have Drew Estate cigars in the future? Yes. I'd like to smoke a flying feral pig in outer space. That'd be neat. The feral pig in space? Yeah. Feral pigs in space. I would like to smoke a feral pig in space. Well, speaking of Drew State, let's talk about one of their newer offerings for a hot minute. Crafted by level nine Cuban rulers at the famed El Titan de Bronze in Cali Ocho, the Herrera, Herrera Esteli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Steli Miami features a rich black and gold packaging. It's sharp. Mm -hmm. It's a very sharp looking packaging. And it's available in five sizes. 
I smoked the cigar a few times, and I can honestly say it is truly one of Willie Herrera's masterpieces. So jump in your car or jump online right now and get your hands on some. What are you waiting for? We'll wait. Go get you some. No, we'll we'll wait. Guys, just settle and wait. All right. Hello. Are we done waiting? Did I get them? We are. Uh, Yax, have you transitioned to your second cigar after your two-hour-long – I'm sorry, your second beer after your two-hour-long one beer? I've got two sips left. And oh, yes, you son I- of a bitch. You're still in that first I, well, It's a 16% beer. Yeah. I'm – I'm full of happiness right now, so dude. I know, I know the week you're. I know the week you're facing. You're making a right. smart choice. You got St. Patty's is coming up. You're playing it safe. I get it. I'm not going to fault you for that. But I think your hat might be in for a uh, elongation very soon. Because here's what I'm going to tell you: the Leprechaun and Princess Zarina place a force field. Over the escape shuttle, so nobody else can use it while they search the cargo bay for his gold coins. They haven't even walked down the aisle yet, and they're continuously bickering back and forth like an old married couple. When she tells him that she's had many rich suitors over the years, and she could always marry someone else because of how breathtakingly beautiful she is, well, he puts an ugly spell on her really quick, and that takes care of that. Doctor, when she looks in the mirror at her at her face, what is she what is the leprechaun saying? Shut your cake hole, you oozing great zit. He calls her an oozy great zit. Terrible. Terrible. When Sticks when Sticks heads back to the lab to find a way to remove the force field, he's attacked by Dr. Mitten Spider. I love how he swats at Dr. Mid-Spider with his ball cap like you would if you saw a spider out. Like, you walk out in your deck and the spider's hanging down, you, like, swat at it with your ball cap. Dude, that's what Sticks does. He just grabs his ball cap and starts swatting at him. He's slowly covered and cased with spider webs, but Sticks manages to access the ship's computer system. But without a password, he can't deactivate the self-destruct counter. Meanwhile, in the cargo bay, a now shirtless Books and Dr. Rees are involved in yet another shootout with the leprechaun. Anytime that little leprechaun's got a laser gun, they're shooting out. I love it. I love that shit. Dr. Reeves blasts the little asshole with the ray beam that Dr. Mittenhand created to shrink and enlarge objects on the ship. And you guessed it. The little asshole suddenly grows 24 feet tall into an enormous towering asshole. The huge <laughs> leprechaun. Oh my god. He tries to stomp on books with his now giant little leather boots over and over again. There's actually some really pretty cool trick photography here in the scene. Would have been better if he said, Fee fi fo fum, now I'll be sticking me shoe in your bum. <laughs> again, doctor. For free, you're giving them better lines. But dude, they they actually made a miniature set where the leprechaun looks huge. They they did some stuff here that 
that looks kind of cool and they 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 made it work to their advantage um books manages to sneak out of the room rescuing princess Serena along the way for some reason i don't know why she's she's clearly on the leprechaun side at this point but he, he he's insistent that he rescue her he's a good marine good marine Right as the enormous, ex- he, he gets her out of the cargo bay right as the enormous exterior hatch to the cargo bay opens up, sucking the giant leprechaun out into space where he once again, for like the third or fourth time in this movie, explodes into a million pieces. Dr. Reeves uh, races back to the lab to help Sticks with the password. They're about to blow up. She's attacked by Dr. Mitten Spider along the way, and he rips off her pants and eats them, which I appreciate, as she's just now wearing a high-cut black one-piece swimsuit. Well, That's how they did it back then. Okay. Or, or 200 years in the future. I shouldn't question this at all. Not at this point. No, no, <laughs> I'm not, not questioning anything at this point. <laughs> well, Dr. Reeves does not appreciate it one bit. So she sprays Dr. Mitten Spider with some form of liquid nitrogen, freezing the mad scientist in his tracks so she can then shoot him into a million pieces. There's a lot of people dying in this movie by being blasted into a million. I, I've written um, into a million pieces ever this many times. <laughs> Metaphor for their careers? Oh. Um. Hey, she did go on to be in the... I was about to say, they blew up in the into some soap opera stuff. And she was a three-episode uh, three regular on non Our yeah. favorite show of all time. And Sunny in Philadelphia. And she apparently reoccurs as the weather woman on Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. Yaks, when she got stripped down to that black swimsuit, did that make your hat do anything? Can I get a hubba dubba doo? Hubba dubba doo! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Where'd you go, Tut? Get back in here. Oh. Tut's uh, done. <laughs> Fuck it. There's no escaping this. There's not. There's really not. Don't Wait, you... take this I'm hat trying. off and use it as the megaphone that it is. Dr. Reeves and Stick start trying several potential typing in several potential passwords into the computer that Dr. Midnan might have created to stop the self-destruct sequence. I love when Stick says, try the word scientist. (laughs) He was a scientist. I just like, I just like the dude. No, he's just fun to watch. It'd be like somebody trying to break into my computer. Try the word drunk. Alcoholic one exclamation point. <laughs> uh, eventually, books. I like runs the use in... of the exclamation point, by the way. That's good. That's good password security yeah, right there. Got some security. It is. It is. Eventually, books runs into the lab, and they all figure out that the password is wizard. Because remember, he said he was like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. With just seconds to spare, the computer voice announces they are now safe, and Books and Dr. Reeves start making out. 
Yax. Oh, he, he wants sorry. the hat. He wants the hat. Boom. It is now fully extended. We got oh. there. We got there. Nobody asked her why she's wearing a swimsuit, by the way. It doesn't matter. Through the mothership's windshield, they watch as the leprechaun's blown up body parts float around in space. His little wrinkled hand with the gnarly nails floats up to the window front and center and gives them the middle finger. <laughs> I like that part. I'm sorry. I as like a it. bass drum thuds like in 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That was, that was... Dun, 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 dun. Sticks. <laughs> hey, Miguel Nunez gets to live for once. He looks over at Dr. Reese and says, you're officially a Marine now. The end. Well, until Leprechaun 5 in the hood four years later. Which I'm sure I'll forget that I hate Leprechaun movies and we'll do next year. Well, and there's the other thing. He Just like Leprechaun 3, we don't know how to get him to space. He blows up here. How do you end up in the hood? I feel like I need to watch Leprechaun in the hood quickly to see if he like falls like from a meteor or if all of a sudden he's just in the hood. He's just in the hood. I think I've actually seen I, it. I think I think that's what I think that's where they're gonna go, Tut. I don't, yeah. I don't think we bothered with continuity. Hey. Something I can't believe I'm saying this. We have something to look forward to. Next March. Oh, Leprechaun no, the Hood. No. Look, no. maybe when we watch when we get to Leprechaun fifteen, they'll explain how he got into space. I'm actually going to jump ahead. Future, obviously. I'm actually going to jump ahead to Leprechaun 7, Back to the Hood. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about his... Oh, six. That would be six. Oh, six. I, I, I'm not going to care about his first trip to the hood. I want to I want to know why he goes back to the hood. I don't know. Right, well, the I'll first trip my... to the hood's got iced tea in it. I mean, come on. I'll do my part, Cade. I see Leprechaun Back to the Hood being in my future tomorrow. That's why you're the doctor. You're a scientist. You can't fight the need to know in your belly. I can't fight what's inside of me. We're here in the streets, Leprechaun. Oh, dude, he's got to go back to his... I, all right, I got to watch it. I, there's got to be limericks in that again. How can you be among rappers? What, and kind, I... what kind of rap is that? with me and you'll be in the ditches but meanwhile it's time for me to clock for my bitches hey that's some dope shit you're spitting there get out of my face my rhymes are still fresher than third base too much time walking in the halls I'll be drinking a fresh cold eight ball Doctor, you and I should probably write... That's some stereotypical shit right there. Yeah, we're getting canceled. It's my iced tea impression. It's not good, but, you know, I'm going for it. Doctor and I are going to write a new sequel. Uh, Leprechaun goes back to the hood for the third time. I know it's not catchy title. Third time's a charm. We're a lot of people thought Leprechaun 4 should have been the end, though, but now I'm in Inglewood smoking the end, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
There you go. There you go. All working out just well, the way we planned. Well, I appreciated the attempt to do something fresh with the leprechaun. I don't know why I didn't like this flick as much as I feel I should have. It had some funny moments, mainly due to Metalhead and Dr. Mittenhand. It had some outrageous moments, mainly due to Metalhead and Dr. Mittenhand. But the sum of all the parts, it should have worked like it did for Tut, but it just didn't. No, and I, it didn't work for me. Only, but it only worked because, like I said, I set the bar so low. I knew what I was getting into. I think that the. It just lacked a little bit of heart. I mean, there's just, you know, there's some projects that, that don't have a lot of assets, but, you, you know, that heart shows through. It didn't have it, heart, Todd. It, it didn't have it. The, I think if he had made four or five little cheesy zinger rhymes yeah. and everything else was the same. Just get in the spirit he of made, it. He made his little limericks. I, I, I all enjoy this immensely more. I think I think the uh, the criminal at that we're pointing our fingers at here is the screenwriter. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of seemed like a, a a money grab project. Like, let's just do this because it's going to net us some dollars, and that's about it. I thought they aimed short. I will say, I on the surface respected the hell out of sending this little fucker into space. Hey, man. It's it's premature. It took Jason ten movies to get sent into space. Four movies in, they're like, let's get this little fucker out of there and do something. I'm done with Leprechaun movies. We're not going to do another Leprechaun movie. Um, I don't care how good those Hood movies are. I've heard actually one of the Hood movies is really, really good from a filmmaking standpoint. But we're not gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna come up with something more creative next St. Patty's Day. <laughs> let's not uh, compare an icon. Let's not compare an all-time horror icon and Jason Voorhees to the Leprechaun. It, it took it took a long time. Every one of those movies was released theatrically. These stopped after part two. They were that's that's a very fair point. It, I, it took a long time for for Friday movies to not start making to not make if, money. Doctor, that's a very fair point. If you're asking me to make a totem pole of the tri, trifect, trifecta or more of horror icons, Leprechaun is nowhere near the echelon. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's impressive that they made four movies in four consecutive years. Yeah, but with in Friday the Thirteenth, they made eight movies in a ten-year period from 1980 to 89, the greatest decade that ever has been. Yeah, they made eight movies in those ten calendar years. Well, here's the great thing: the only great thing about Leprechaun Point Space, eventually we got Yak Boy's hat to extend to full erection. And I think maybe people listening will get a great grasp of the Leprechaun franchise in this story and get some laughs. And then, much like us, they'll be just ready to move on. Uh, Tut, do what you do so good. 
Speaking of moving on, if you want to join us on Twitter, you can join us at TNCCCast. If you want to hit us up on Instagram, see all the lovely pictures there, you can join us at TNCC underscore podcast. You can feel free to join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Definitely subscribe to us and smash that like button on YouTube at Tuesday Night Cigar Club. And uh, by the way, if you wanted to buy a podcast or a birthday present that's coming up, you can go to Amazon. You can go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on the Amazon banner, do your shopping from there, buy me a gift for my birthday. I'll think you're wonderful for it, and you'll help us be keeping the lights on around here. And uh, if you want to buy this wonderful freaking Macanudo cigar for $7.50, on, go to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Click on the Famous Smoke Shop, uh, famous show, smoke shop banner there. How many Guinnesses have you had? <laughs> shush, shush. And then uh, do your shopping from there. If you buy $100 or more, it'll automatically enter the promo code TNCC20 for you. You'll save 20 bucks on it. It's just like saving 20%. That's awesome. Breathe. I okay. think you did it. Thank you. Yak Boy, did you get everything? He did. By okay. the way, if you're, if you're jammed for time and you don't have a lot of smokes... Pick up the uh, Drew Estate Sun Grown, the uh, uh, Coronitas, and man, there you go. Fulfill your, it'll fill your gap. And they are all often available uh, at a discount rate on ScarMonster.com. Free shipping. Load up four of those in your cart, and then enter TNCC twenty, and you are saving twenty bucks on some stellar. Quick smokes. I got 30 minutes before my calculus class. Hit it. Best quick smokes in the business, brothers and sisters of the leaf. Uh, okay. Well, thanks for joining us for the uh, big uh, drinking and drinking some more, smoking and drinking extravaganza bonanza. I think we kept the tradition alive. I think it was a fun show. Um, do you guys? Laurel, welcome to the it. TNCC family. Yeah, and Laurel, big shout out to Laurel for joining us. Thank you for uh, yes, Laurel, absolutely for joining us, and thank you for Macanudo for as of now being a new sponsor of the show. We'll see what they think of <laughs> one show, show deal. <laughs> we'll see what they think of where the shit went from there. But you know what? <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we're, we're depending. We're dependent on no one, and we. Do what we do unapologetically. Unapologetically. I said that Wheel Fortune style because I didn't want to drunk slur. <laughs> we do what we do unapologetically. And I'll say this next thing, Wheel Fortune style. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Don't listen to Texas. Keep protecting yourselves and your loved ones, and we will be through this soon. See you in two weeks. Sayonara. Motherfuckers. See you in two weeks. Be good. Learn 
more about the time I celebrated St. Patrick's Day by squeezing my muscular thighs into a skin-tight leprechaun costume and then proceeded to go to every Applebee's location in the northeastern Ohio area demanding that somebody, anybody, sample me Lucky Charms. Well, don't be shy, me laddies. All you have to do is ask me about it. So, did I have any takers? Uh, have you seen my muscular thighs? I've been told my thighs are so muscular you can actually hear them in my voice. Of course I had some takers. You'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, at how many horny office workers take the afternoon off on St. Patty's Day and head straight over to their neighborhood Applebee's for some mozzarella sticks and bizarre sexual shenanigans. Like, it's a really high number, folks. Your lucky charms were exhausted. Anywho... You can learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode by visiting www.macanudo.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go sleep like